Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Special opening just for this episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Do this acapella. Dude gets reprimanded talking about my man Max Caster. His gimmick is a battle rapper, not a fucking pasture. The biggest bone of contention where he made his mistake was making a line about something 15 years ago that was a hoax and fake. Sammy said what he said and got slapped on the wrist. Tony thanks and hugs Nick Gage. After losing sponsorships, but my man gets suspended because apparently people don't know how to edit clips. Yeah. And that is your opening for Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I did that last night and don't even remember writing this at all, but uh, that was pretty funny. So uh, that I, I guess you know how I feel, uh, at least in my drunken stupor about that whole situation. But I got to introduce the show. We got a big show today. My man MC Chris is with me. Christopher Brother Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? How'd you like that terrible white boy rap? Uh, I liked it. I, I actually enjoyed it and tend to agree with uh, Battle Rapper Dane on the uh, the situation itself. But I guess we'll get into that as the show goes. How's your week going, bud? Um, Dude, this was a week from hell. I'm not going to lie. Just being back from vacation and we were just so busy. Uh, I normally get off work at 2 o'clock. And yesterday, on a Friday, I was there until almost 6 o'clock. So, uh, you know, just uh, just had a great time. But I'm here talking wrestling with you, so now I'm okay, man. <laughs> All right, I feel you. Yeah, it, it's, been a rough, it's been a rough past couple weeks for me, too. But uh, here we go, man, talking about wrestling. That's always, that's always something positive to look forward to. All right, so should we go into that hot story that basically opened up the show? Um. And honestly, there is no confirmation. I don't think there has been reports that Max was suspended for all that stuff that he said on an edited episode, pre-recorded, uh, I should say, um, of uh, Dark. Um, but there is enough reports to actually, it looks like that might be the case. The weird thing that I think is kind of just strange is that Anthony Bowen is going to be on the next episode of AEW Spotlight. And Aubrey Edwards was on Twitter saying that she wanted people to write questions for him. So I just, this whole situation just put a bad taste in my mouth. And I agree uh, with a lot of people that if you are a battle rapper, you're probably going to go to certain places. And yes, Tony apparently usually goes over the raps. You know, he lets them say what they want, but... Goes over stuff. And did he cross the line? Yeah, probably. The Simone Biles line, that's, I don't think that big of a deal. Um, just because I think that people need to realize that people that do suffer with mental illness sometimes, including myself, were pretty strong. And that was more just topical. The, the Duke thing, I said it in my rap. And, I mean, I think the worst thing personally was attacking poor Julia Hart. Um, you know, with that line, but it's 
that's that's his shtick. That's hip hop. That's that's battle rapping. And if it was really that bad, this goes back to that fucking Jim Cornette NWA thing with Dave Lagana. You had it pre-recorded. You could have gotten it out. You got caught with egg on your face. And like I said, even though Sammy did a lot of stuff in order to get back to good graces with that whole comment about Sasha, including talking to her on the phone about it, um, you know, that was pretty bad. And the whole Nick Gage thing, they basically pissed off Domino's, a huge sponsor. And, you know, I just maybe this apples and oranges, but I just found it kind of eye rolling. And this has nothing to do with anti AEW because if this happened to WWE anywhere, you know, it just like I've been watching a lot of SmackDown circa 2003 lately on the uh, the cock and uh, the 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 doctor of thugonomics, I think, would also be uh, pretty banned by today's standards. And maybe that's a good thing in certain rights and maybe it's not. But uh, that's how I feel. Chris. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the biggest problem here is or, or for me is that you didn't have an issue with it when you put it out. You're you're the one who is in control of a recorded show. This isn't a live show. I mean, if you didn't like it, you could have just either taken it out completely or edited certain lines. Uh, so it's it's weird to be too hard on the guy in retrospect either way, um, regardless of what he, what he said. But it's, I don't know, that's... The AEW fan base is a little odd when it comes to stuff like this. Certain things are going to super trigger them and other things aren't. So, you know, a lot of this is trying to be proactive and realizing what's going to piss your fan base off and not piss your fan base off. And did he really get suspended? We, like you said, we're, we're still not 100% sure on that. But, yeah, I mean, everything else you said I agree with. I agree with completely. It's You're asking a character to walk a very, very fine line if you're going to have him do topical battle rap um i don't know did anything you say was it any worse than what like a late night host would say in their opening monologue um i don't know and by the way buddy i'm getting a little bit of uh feedback it sounds like your mic's rubbing against something just uh just to clear that up but um yeah i i, I agree with you i i think but it's just it's society and that's how it is nowadays we're much more I don't know if the word's proactive, but uh, things can't be a certain way, you know? And uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like people just need some Sunday brunch and go get some Bellinis, like Nas said. And that's all that really matters. But uh, this is, this is in all actuality, some bullshit. And I think it's really fucking awkward and weird to have Anthony Bowen be on an episode where you know the fans are going to be asking about this shit. So it's like what like I don't know. Just a weird way to handle this situation. That's all I gotta say. Chris? Yes, I, I switched over my headphones. Is that better, Dane? Um, I don't know if it matters. You you sound a little bit quieter. How about now? Better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I can hear uh, you. All right, good. Sorry about that, everyone. Hey, no problem. But yeah, any closing comments before we move on? No, I think we hit everything that you know I had to see. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I'm gonna take a sip of my noon beer, and we'll move over to another topical, pretty much the other topical news item, probably a little bit more so than anything. Then we're gonna go over 
some stuff, uh, most of it relating to AEW cross promotions, which is pretty cool. And we'll do a little bit of uh, some mini reviews. But uh, obviously, we talked about um, the stuff with Adam Cole and him going to SmackDown and all the cuts that happened pretty much at the exact same time. Uh, that was reportedly Triple H had nothing to do with. Uh, that was John Laurinaitis, um, Vince McMahon, and um, oh man, what the hell, the full of shit guy, um, Brother Luff. I can't remember his name right now for the life of me. But um, that was their decision making. But now it got to the point. This is like a contradicting concept because the biggest report that was coming out there, both from Dave Metzler of the Wrestling Observer, one of the best sources um, for news. And it's basically that Adam Cole had a great meeting with Vince. Like I said, I don't know if this was him knowing about Bobby Fish, uh, or you know, if he found out about this beforehand, or if this was afterwards after the conversation. But uh, pre-SmackDown, they had a meeting, um, and apparently Vince saw a lot in Adam Cole. Uh, the word was that he liked his charisma. They instantly kind of connected. Um, I'm sure if if Triple H and Sean haven't already talked to Vince. I'm sure he got some Sean vibes from Adam Cole um, because he seems like one of those type of uh, people. But what the what the uh, statement was is that WWE writers are told to create main roster storylines for Adam Cole on either Raw and SmackDown. And it sounds like that if he re-signs, he's going to be premiering on one of those brands, uh, you know, right after TakeOver. So I would assume... Maybe because it's Adam Cole. He, you know, if he's leaving, I, f- I feel like Kyle O'Reilly is going over. But there's part of me that if he sticks around, it's an Adam Cole thing to do to beat Kyle O'Reilly, one of his old best friends, and fucking say, peace, bitch. I've done everything. I'm so scared about him on the main roster. I don't like the abysmal idea of him being on Raw. You know, Matt Riddle and, and, and Randy Orton and uh, Kofi Kingston are like some of the things I like about that show, but there's a lot I do not like and uh you know when we talk about damian priest keith lee's a little bit different now that we know that there was a health issue uh with him and that's why he was staying quiet by it i don't know you know he still was having trademark issues trying to get his name just like chelsea green is which is crazy because that's their actual names but he's a little bit different we know what happened with carrying cross you know it's just apparently and this is the statement And Chris, you can kind of separate this if you want to talk about the Adam Cole thing. But the statement that Dave said is that, according to Metzler, um, HBK, I already said that, Bruce Pritchard was who I was thinking about. But NXT is being revamped to a developmental show with younger and bigger talent. Um, The quote was, no more midgets, was the directive. They can't be uh, too old or too small. Um, Paul Levesque and Sean didn't have anything to do with the cuts. It was done. That, that, why is that even stated a second time? They think the uh, competitors are too small and they don't want to hire basically people in their 30s. Um, they want to get some young names. It looks like they are going to kind of gut NXT and Tommy Dreamer said it on Busted Open. This smells very similar to what happened to ECW in 2000s. And it looks like, honestly, they want more of an Ohio Valley wrestling setup like they had in the early 2000s. So I don't know what that means for NXT. It sucks because now Joe's there. Uh, we have Walter over here. I don't know how, for how long, but 
you know, he's also someone that I enjoy watching quite a bit. Um, the whole Adam Cole situation. Let's 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 break this apart, Chris, just so I don't throw too much at, um, out at you. Um, do you believe the reports that Adam Cole and, 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 and Vince had a good meeting and, you know, to try to butter him up, basically, apparently they're they're telling, you know, the the writers to be putting him in the, the spotlight uh, post takeover. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that they had a good conversation. I don't know if it means good meeting like he's close to signing. My assumption would be as far as them creating storylines that Adam Cole asked before he signed any contract what the hell the plans were for him if he goes to the main roster. So, you know, those storylines that are getting created, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to happen. It could just be that he wants to hear hear what he might be getting into if he does sign because he it, it does sound like they would be taking him directly to the main roster which like you said that would to me mean get beat by kyle o'reilly just because that's how they do things on nxt even though i i never understood that if you're going to bring someone to the main roster why not have them go out on a strong win and then maybe come back and lose on nxt later down the road just for like a one-off thing um but that's that's how they handle it. That's how they've always handled it. As far as I remember, maybe with the exception of Kevin Owens, but even Kevin Owens came back and dropped the NXT title kind of after he showed up on the main roster. So uh, as far as the statements about them not hiring, wanting to hire, and this was their words, not mine, midgets and indie guys who are in their thirties. That's like half the people on their fucking roster from, if you're taking it from, from that standpoint and, and, some of the guys being shorter and previous indie darlings, whether it be from Evolve or uh, PWG. And I guess the, to me, the, the real question there is not everyone is going to be the size of, of Roman Reigns unless you're digging into ex-professional football players or collegiate wrestlers only. And how many of those guys can you find who actually have a passion for wrestling? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there is a huge pot to to dig people out of as far as as far as that goes like what is your talent <laughs> what is your talent uh, agent going to be pulling these people from like where do you find these guys and then what's the turnaround on getting them trained because the plan for this would take a year just to get one get enough of that kind of talent and two get them trained to a level where it's not just going to look like complete shit when they start having matches and then does that also mean that you're going back to a one-hour format for NXT and maybe a, a network? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're, you know, they're signing into that TV deal for a while. So this is something they're going to put on TV, which would be, if it's, if it's more like old NXT or FCW, it is a lot of green wrestlers. It's not going to be the level of matches that NXT has had in the past. Hey, um, Chris, yes, real sir. quick, on your end, um, on my end, basically, it's not even looking like it's like any time has gone by for recording time. For recording, we're different? at, yeah, we're at 7.57. Okay, uh, that's weird. Okay, well, sorry about that, guys, a little inside stuff. Skype acts really fucking screwy, so I just wanted to make sure we weren't talking great detail about this stuff. And none of it was uh, actually coming out. But, yeah, I, I agree with you on um, pretty much everything, man. Um, 
I don't know. This 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 kind of sucks. You know, until Rampage, which I think is going to be fucking awesome. There was this amazing one hour show called NXT that I loved. And uh, it's just been kind of gutted. And uh, I'm wondering, Chris, if we're going to have a situation where like uh, the radicals were all of a sudden like, you know, at AEW, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, um, you know, uh, Santos Escobar and friggin' who's someone else that's really NXT. um, They're just sitting in there, ready to come in there because I don't see any of them staying, man. I I feel like a lot of people are going to be going back to Ring of Honor. Um, I feel like they're going to do a complete change-up. I know they have a lot of big guys, you know, um, like a Parker Bardot, um, who has a lot of potential. We've talked about Rick Steiner's son. You're, you're seeing these guys a lot of times as security guards, which is ridiculous because most of the time they're way bigger than the actual people they're trying to break up, you know, with NXT with Adam Cole and uh, Kyle O'Reilly. But um, the problem is they're green as fuck and they don't come from a wrestling background. So if you're just trying to go for that, uh, I don't know. Uh, just it's a, it's, a, it's a strange situation. I would say, Chris, all around. Yeah, and the weird thing is, is you can't lose all of those guys right off the bat, even if you're trying to change the show. You, you have to keep some of them guys around just because you, you, you do have a lot of green wrestlers and a lot of people that you're training, and you still, if you're going to be on TV, you still have to put out something slight, like competent. Um, it's just funny that that's... That's where they think they need to take NXT when one of the biggest criticisms, at least from your internet fan base and, and what NXT is generally aimed at, is that they don't like Karrion Cross, who's exactly the kind of person that they're talking about wanting the show to be more like. If you're looking at it from, you know, a Vince kind of guy, like a big dominant champion, that's one of people's biggest complaints about NXT is who has the title and how he's kind of been undefeated and unstoppable. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And like I said, finding that kind of talent, because I'm sure that AEW would also like to find a bunch of big guys that are really good talkers. And in the, I mean, you're asking for a lot when you're talking about, Oh, I want someone that's already WrestleMania ready. Who's in this certain age group. And also is jacked, you know, like that's, uh, <laughs> they did, they did uh, FCW in a, Ohio Valley wrestling for forever. And I mean, you got a few guys out of there, but think about how many other people went through that system. Someone like Kenny Omega and was passed over. Right. So, or <laughs> in a situation, you know, you're talking about big guys. And like I said, we talked about, or I, I brought the Keith Lee thing because that was, you know, he admitted that a lot of that was actually health stuff. So us thinking him being off television wasn't exactly what it appeared to be, but still, not the greatest track record with big guys when you're thinking of Damian Priest. I mean, yeah, it looks like he's probably going to get the U.S. title, but I don't think I think Bad Bunny got himself over in that whole situation. Karrion uh, Cross loses to Jeff Hardy, you know, his opening match after he's being undefeated. Um, and then you go to Ohio Valley Wrestling, uh, you know, a couple people out of that did great. Their first batch, you know, Randy Orton. Batista, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Shelton Benjamin, really lucky. Bobby Lashley took a long time to get to where he is. But other than that, I mean, they took some of those huge guys like a Matt Morgan 
who was like basically Jim Cornette's Hulk Hogan at the time and turned him into a heel that stuttered. And he was a big guy. He looked like it. You know, and he ended up being an actual really good wrestler when he was able to show that in TNA. And there are a bunch of big guys that did that too. It's just Vince is very fucking weird. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, like, oh, one of your greatest workers you got over there? We're going to turn him into a mentally handicapped person named Eugene. Uh, you don't have to. That's the other thing in the concept of being big. Like, Chris Jericho was never a big guy. But you can wrestle like a big guy. You can make yourself a big star. You don't have to be six foot three, 240 to fit that mold. Like, Bronson Reed is a good example of this, where he's like, he is a thick guy. He's not super tall or anything. But he, to me, would fit that mold as far as the way he worked in the ring. So as long as you're not putting him against Omos, the size differences between most of the main people on the roster wouldn't be that crazy for a guy like him or some of the other people that they've released. It's, I don't know, it's it's a weird, if the, if what they what is being reported is actually true, that is a weird way to look at wrestling when you, when you, especially if you look at your competition, which now is for sure, it's going to be AEW. And AEW has a mixture of size. And they don't necessarily like you have matches where Orange Cassidy is going against like Wardlow and shit, right? Like it's all about how you present that guy and making them believable, which you would think that they would know by, I don't know, putting guys over like Shawn Michaels and HBK from the past, but apparently, or Shawn Michaels and, and Bret Hart and Owen Hart and guys that they that were smaller that they were able to get a lot out of. You would think they would look at that and go, okay, well, we can still use these guys. Or even more modern, like Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, is, yeah, he's a thick guy, but he's not a monster by any means. Like, if you put him in the ring with Brock Lesnar, uh, he's dwarfed, or AJ Styles, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's just weird that they still have this mindset, and I don't know that anyone necessarily wants to see a bunch of big guys who aren't athletic and can, can't move in the ring. I think you need a mixture of both. I think there's places time and places for your monsters and and definitely time and places just for people that are going to have five, you know, five-star matches like Kyle O'Reilly and, and Adam Cole. So I, the way that they're running this company and if that is truly how they believe they're super out of touch with what the majority of wrestling fans want to see. And it's showing because even on their darling product raw, which is this, it is a lot of big guys and a very top loaded, uh, main event where these big guys kind of live it's not working like they're the lowest ratings they've ever had they're doing like 1.6 million 1.7 and AEW is catching up to them and when you get daniel bryan and cm punk coming in that's further pushing home the point that the shit that they're preaching doesn't really matter oh but you know cm punk and daniel bryan they aren't really draws you know yep i agree with you well, um, we'll find out in we'll find out in what two weeks at Chicago how big of a draw CM Punk still is. I think it's big enough to make that number a lot closer to Raw, which should worry WWE. Well, you know, and then Ric Flair's on fucking stuff, really hinting at that he's going to be coming back to wrestling because he said he's never going to leave wrestling. The fact that we know that he is also admitted that he has actually a relationship with Tony Khan that's been going on for a long time because he respects the shit out of him. So he likes Tony. You know, you get someone like that. Even it doesn't matter what age Ric Flair is. He'll bring eyes to the product and they're going to let him be Ric Flair. 
not this flunky version that gets his ass kicked by his daughter or, uh, you know, uh, Randy Orton. So that and the cryptic messages, I guess we can go into that one uh, next. Um, actually, speaking about Twitter stuff, I love Bronson Reed when he posted while NXT was happening that Simpsons clip where the guy gets up and just shoots his uh, television. Because, I mean, with all this news, it was hard to watch NXT, just knowing there was it, it just got the life sucked out of it. Um, and, and this and the thing, the ending statement, Chris, before we talk about Bray's weird picture that he put on Twitter. Um, is this contradictory to what, you know, the, it looks like they're grooming Adam Cole with? Because Adam Cole is a small guy in his early 30s, but still in his 30s from indie background. He's literally the statement of what they don't want, apparently. But they're going to they're going to give him an actual chance on the main roster. Or is he going to get, like, lost in the shuffle? I don't understand. I, if I was Adam Cole, there's no fucking way I'm staying. I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I like Britt Baker uh, doing a little salute uh, using um, Adam's uh, Adam's uh, finisher, the last shot, the original last shot, um, and get, doing a little winky uh, for her uh, fiancé. But... um. Yeah, I just I, I I wouldn't stay there, man. Especially after all this happens. If he comes out and finds out one of his best friends got fired, plus a bunch of his other colleagues, and then the statements being made about what they're doing directly in there, and then also the reports about how the vibe was very very different at NXT. It was very you could just tell it was a negative vibe. Apparently, there wasn't an, a rah rah speech from Triple H. Um, he's kind of been probably just pissed off by himself about this whole entire thing. You know, he wanted to get something going on with Gabe Sapolsky with a, a second show back on the network, more probably, I'm assuming, indie-oriented, that same type of concept. And he wanted to expand and put NXT in different territories. I don't think that's going to happen for Hunter now. And I don't trust that Adam Cole will get a shot because telling that because they literally contradicted themselves directly afterwards if the reports are true. Yeah. I mean, unless they're planning on doing something where they bring him in as a tag team with someone. I, I just don't see them using Adam Cole as a main event guy, even if they move him to SmackDown. Uh, I think Adam Cole can be a main event guy, as he's shown. I mean, he was the champion in NXT for, what, 500 days or something, their longest running cha reigning champion. And he's obviously great on the mic, and he's good in the ring. And I, I just don't have any faith and i think people have been saying this for a long time even when we were talking about this a year ago of bringing adam cole up i don't have any faith on them being able to do anything meaningful with the guy so it's more about what does he want to do as a person obviously wwe can pay him a fuck ton of money if they want to they can find ways to sweeten that deal and if he just doesn't really care about the art side of wrestling at this point in his career and they're going to pay him a fuck ton of money and maybe give him limited dates or um, help push his Twitch stream or, or do any of that kind of stuff that I think that's where it comes to if he would resign with WWE, not necessarily anything to do with what kind of stories they're going to give him. Cause I, I don't know if you're, if you're Adam Cole, you probably, like you said, you look at the writing on the wall, the wall and realize like, Hey, if I go there, there's a good chance that they'll tell me that they have all of the shit that that doesn't matter that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go through with it unless he gets it in writing because wwe will tell you one thing and then change the fucking story the same show 
as we've seen many, many times. So I, I'm more like you. If I was him, I wouldn't necessarily resign. And um, I know that he would be trying to work in whatever he wants to do on Twitch in that contract where WWE has completely came out and said anyone on the main roster shouldn't be doing Twitch with the exception, of, I guess, of like Austin Creed, who has a working relationship with WWE with Up, Up, Down, Down. But if that's something that he really likes and really wants to do um, and keep the revenue from that, I don't know. To me, you would look at it, you would AEW would look like a much better place to go because I know that is a big thing that he enjoys doing. Um, so I, there's a lot of reasons to not re-sign in, in WWE. And we should stay say for anyone listening out there that's maybe not kept up with this, he, he is not re-signed as of yet. It was just stated that he had a good meeting with Vince. He does have a, you know, an extension because it's, contract is already up so he basically signed a 30-day extension to do SummerSlam because apparently he as from all accounts he's a company guy in the sense that he doesn't want to screw over the company and people shouldn't take that the wrong way that doesn't necessarily mean he's not gonna leave I think that was very similar with Ring of Honor his contract was up and he had been injured so he went back and worked date that his injured dates before going to NXT so he's done this in the past as well for other companies because Adam Cole seems like a reliable, good employee. Um, he's groomed by Triple H and Sean. Uh, he's the same size as Sean fucking Michaels, which the whole size thing just drives me crazy. Yeah, he could put on a little bit of muscle, but that's not his frame. It's whatever. I would like for him to, but I mean, size-wise, like I said, pretty much same size as Shawn Michaels. Uh, he's one, in my opinion, one of the best bell-to-bell wrestlers. He can have a great short match and a great long match. Um, doesn't really play babyface, but people still like him, and he's one of the best heels and talkers in the industry. Wherever he goes, it will be a good thing. And if NXT really starts cashing out because of Vince on talent um, that are in their 30s, you know, Adam is someone I could see being a guy that would end up at AEW. He seems like someone that you could really do some awesome stuff with. We know a lot of his friends work there, obviously. We know that his fiance works there, obviously. But I mean, if if a lot of these guys, you're, if, if this if this is a trend and this kind of happens and people leave after their contract, if we have an influx of talent that goes back to Ring of Honor, you know, your Kyle O'Reilly's, your Roderick Strong's, even Adam Cole to an extent, and they can kind of break that door down for more interaction, like everyone else is fucking doing out there to help each other, that could also be cool and a very positive thing. And, I mean, it makes sense for a lot of them since that's where they came from. But I don't think this – this this is even going to piss off people like Kevin Owens, this whole entire notion and concept. It's going to make a lot of people shake their fucking heads. And one person is going to piss off in particular is Triple H. Um, so I, I don't even know what the fuck that says for the future of this. But just a lot of uh, a lot of questions. But uh, any, any closing statements uh, before we move on to the next news item? No, I mean, I think it's good that you're bringing up people like Kevin Owens and, and maybe even Sami Zayn to some extent because they're only re-signed until I think they have one more year left on their deal. So those contract negotiations have to come up soon also. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that we're not thinking of right now that are in same the same boat. So it's going to come down to we the We know Pete that, Dunn is. Yeah, it's like the, after you hear this, Pete Dunn is... Pete Dunn is a lot smaller than he was 
a couple years ago. He's more cut, but when he first came into NXT, uh, he was a much bigger guy, and I think he falls kind of into that conversation being the bruiser weight. I mean, there's a lot of guys that if Adam Cole goes and this is the message you're sending to NXT, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of guys that are ready to get out there, get out of there, I should say. You know what? And I was making the joke earlier, but in actuality, if Adam Cole is Chris Jericho, the first person to fucking say, screw you, I'm going to somewhere else where they're actually going to treat me like a, um, a main player. This does remind me a lot of the cruiserweight division. NXT right now reminds me of the cruiserweight division in which those talents who became huge talents, maybe not Dean Malenko to an extent, but then again, he was like the cruiserweight in WWE, let's be honest. But Eddie, Chris, Ray, um, you know, you got a lot of guys that came over into WWE that weren't given that chance because they were said you're a smaller size guys, even though they were some of the best workers. So, you know, I, I, I feel like there is a parallel there now that I'm thinking about it. I don't think like I was joking about a NXT radical situation, but, you know, your Johnny Gargano's, a lot of those guys are some of the best bell to bell workers. And they're being pushed aside because there's it's all stupid. And this reminds me of that situation a lot. I have to agree with you. And you know what? You know what happened to that company? So. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know, man. That This whole thing is fucking weird to me because not because I Adam Cole should resign or whatever. I mean, even outside of Adam Cole, you're releasing more and more people it still goes back to those initial rumors that maybe Vince is looking to sell the company yep. and I think that's more of the conversation that should be being had like these the stuff that they said about NXT could just be about future signings um, and them just slimming down the roster as much as they as possibly can to make their numbers look better to to sell at the end of the day and they're going to look super hot after the SummerSlam with Cena being there and then The Rock and Brock coming in, headed to Mania, that's going to make those, it's going to make their ratings look bigger than they're, better than they actually are, just because of those names. And then that yep. would be the time that they would try to sell it, because they've they've cut a lot of money. So EBITDA standards, it's going to look better. Like, their earnings are going to look better, because they don't have those people on the roster. They're not paying them. Um, and then, like I said, you're bringing in The Rock and Brock, so that evens out kind of the money situation the ratings will go up and then you can look if you're if they're realistically trying to sell the company that would be the time to pull the trigger on that and the assumption would be that they're selling it to nbc yep universal they own usa would make a lot of sense and they own peacock um yeah Uh, we'll figure it out but uh let's talk about something that's really i mean it's not nothing but it's just it's it's been a popular item to talk about but after all the information getting out that Bray Wyatt, uh, it wasn't anything like obviously he grieved over his friend, you know, passing away. But a lot of the rumors, uh, at least from what his publicist said, was just rumors that any of him not being, you know, at WWE had anything to do with himself. Uh, that was them kind of pausing him at time periods and him trying to get more of his character done and kind of them taking another direction. The whole Alexa Bliss stuff. And then they fire him. So he posted um, a picture a couple days ago on Twitter 
and it was labeled you can't kill it and the mask or i'm assuming it's supposed to be a mask i'm assuming he's updating if he's not going to call it the fiend but doing something to that extent it's a kabuki mask like it's a very if you just look at it you can see the eyes the face you know the teeth but someone actually rendered it lightened it put it together and it's basically looks like a japanese kabuki mask um and pretty cool uh i don't know what that means exactly um you know a lot of people are wondering if bray's japan bound it looks like japan's headed over here guys so i don't think so now that ishii and tanahashi and a lot of the other legends are over here um it looks like japan's trying to get their guys over here to be able to produce their stuff because of what's going on with COVID over there so i wouldn't think that but still bray wyatt's extremely creative might not be the greatest technical worker at all but when it comes to being inspired and trying different things really would be cool if he went a japanese demon route um but what would you think about these pictures we kind of talked about it when that happened yeah i mean the, my biggest thing is do you think that people are going to freak out and call it cultural appropriation and shit if he shows up with a kabuki mask god you're you gotta ruin <laughs> ruin this with the truth of of <laughs> ridiculousness um maybe i, I should, don't know i mean maybe it, uh keiji muto should uh like escort him to the ring like on a chain i think That's it's great fine if, you didn't know that everyone out there i mean i think it's a great idea if he's going in as a heel it, it kind of reminds me of what they were doing with uh prince albert i can't think of his his name from new japan who works in the nxt system when he was there he kind of had this he played off the fact that he was a guy gene kind of taking in Japanese culture. And to some extent, Kenny Omega did that as well. That was part of his character, like a guy that was super into Japanese culture, but wasn't Japanese. And, and that shit does work as a heel in New Japan, as we saw with Kenny. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's really cool. Well, I think it's a very cool idea. Japan doesn't have anyone like that on their roster i don't want to say necessarily supernatural because we don't know what the new character is going to be but they don't really have that many dark characters i mean the closest you could think of is probably evil right and i wouldn't even and he abandoned all of those aspects pretty much with his new persona yeah so it's you know that's bray's the only one there he's a guy gene i think he could get the fans to hate him really easily he's a good promo I think he could do some cool vignettes and, and stuff with Bray. And I mean, if he if they let him work with Tom Savini and bring some of that aspect to New Japan, like I, I can't remember anyone in Japan ever having a character like that, maybe with the exception of like Muda, but that's a, it's a different thing altogether in a lot of ways. So, yeah, man, I don't know. I think that's super fucking awesome. And I hope he does do that route. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he has to go to Japan either. He can work in uh, New Japan here with New Japan Strong. And it seems like they're going to be doing a lot of crossover either way. So interesting stuff. It'd be funny to see if they do something where they try to get the Wyatt family back together. Since the majority of them, with with, with the exception of Brody Lee, rest in peace, they're all free agents. So if you wanted to do something with Rowan Braun and Bray, that's not completely out of the question. That would look like a scary trio over in Japan. The three big guys all decked out in some type of 
if not Kabuki, but like, you know, that Muda-esque type of concept, you know, that would be, that would be different. You know, you're taking it from the bayous and going to the far east, but it would, the, the funny thing is, you know, now I'm marinating on, on your statement about cultural appropriation. I think that, I think that the United States people would have more of a bigger problem than the Japanese audience. I think that they would love it and think it's really cool. But uh, that's it is a true statement with uh, how modern times are. But who knows? Uh, he could be just going to fucking AEW. I mean, really. I mean, this is a guy not to the level of obviously Brian or, or Punk, but he is one of the bigger names in the WWE in the last couple of years. So I think it's kind of a no brainer. But if he wants to work in Japan, he could be a good big guy over there, especially I love your idea of him being with the other two um, reunited. That could be devastating, a completely different concept. And he's still obviously good friends with both Eric and and Braun. So who knows? Uh, very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Bray does next. Yeah, and, and like a, and as people who listen to this show know, I'm not the biggest fan of Bray in the ring, but he, he does have a special aspect to him outside of the ring. Um, and he draws a lot of fans in with some of his ideas. So from that standpoint, it, you know, AEW doesn't really have anyone like him either. With, I guess, Malachi Black now. But that's he Malachi is still not going to be the promo or the the overall the overall package that Bray can be as far as how his, his character can, as far as how his character goes and what he's able to do. I mean, Bray does come off as more of a, an actual movie character or a movie bad guy, whereas opposed to like Malachi black, he just seems like a, a badass kickboxer that happens to worship the devil, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think Bray can be successful wherever he goes um the good thing about him going to japan and and potentially aew is that he doesn't necessarily have to be the best person in the ring because whoever he's working against is going to be really good in the ring you know like if you put if you put him in there with fucking tanahashi um it doesn't matter how good bray is because tanahashi's that good and maybe bray can impress us finally you know uh who knows but as long as he can be slimmed up, and he looks in good shape. Last picture that was taken of him. Um, as long as he can do that weird, you know, uh, reverse crab walk fucking exorcist thing, uh, you know, it's it's more of the theatrics with him. But if you go to Japan, it's going to have to be paced up, and he'll have to be challenged. And I will appreciate that, because I'm assuming he would want to step up when it comes to working, if he does go to Japan because he knows it's a fucking different style. And yeah, he does have guys to bounce off of that are incredible. Um, man, the idea of Okada being in the ring and then this monster fucking thing coming down, uh, just for an interaction just sounds amazing. So whatever they do, I'm excited. And, uh, here's a Bray Wyatt man post WWE, because that's definitely one that puzzled me. That was yeah. to me. They, they literally ripped all his creativity out and fired his ass and also fired his wife that no one really knew about it four weeks before that with JoJo. Yep. And then, like, on top of all of that, they gave his idea and brainchild of a character to Alexa Bliss. <laughs> Jesus. So it's like a triple fuck you <laughs> to Bray Wyatt, which would, you know, 
you would hope is uh, him as a person and him as a performer that lit a fire under his ass. And maybe that is the whole, maybe that is the legacy, you know, the, the comeback, the change, um, almost similar to the way Brody Lee looks like when he got to AEW. I mean, if we're going to see that or same Mox. kind of, or yeah, or, or John Moxley, exactly. If you're going to see that kind of transformation, I don't think it's going to matter where he goes. He's going to end up getting his shit over and looking like an absolute monster, but uh, time will tell. I think this is good for Bray Wyatt because they're not going to fucking no other wrestling company is going to make him wrestle under a stupid ass red light. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you that. If he wants, if he wants to make the character like, you know, Michael Myers or Leatherface where he's taking people out and didn't want all uh, as much of the supernatural shit as they ended up doing, like the fucking black blood coming out, coming out of people's eyes and shit. He's going to have full reign. I, that's what I love is because I think Gato or Tony would be like, dude, you do you. If you want to get Tom Savini, fuck. If you want to get Rob Zombie involved, we'll fucking pay him. We'll fucking this scary as shit. We will legitimately make you do you know what you wanted to be, basically. I think that creativity is going to be there, and I think this is going to be another, you guys are idiots, when it came to letting someone go. <laughs> Uh, like I thought with Samoa Joe when he did for that time period and, and other people, you know, uh, Moxley, for instance, like we just said, and, and Brody rest in peace. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what you said is exactly right because a lot of the shit that I didn't like about the fiend character is also a lot of shit that you could look at and go, okay, WWE decided they wanted to go this route. Like, especially when you start talking about the the black blood and um, wrestling under the red light, giving him a giant cartoonish ballot. Or going back and the WrestleMania with him and Randy Orton, with the bugs. Yeah, I, I'm sure that Bray Wyatt wasn't like, and then... I'll make roaches show up on an LCD board and Randy Orton will piss himself. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that was not either Randy's or <laughs> Bray's idea. I have more respect for both of those guys than that. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, let's see what do we got here. I guess we should go over these pay-per-views. There's two of them tonight. And we're not going to go over all the matches on them, but they have huge implications on stuff that has to do with AEW. The fact that AEW, and I mean, it's so funny because there's two two realms of thought. But, you know, Tony's always on Busted Open, and he's like, you know, like Scott Demore and him were on an interview together. He's like, I don't plan on, you know, slowing down on this interaction. I like Billy Corgan. I like Scott Demore. I like, uh, you know, Rocky Romero and, and, and Gato. Like, I like this open interaction with all of us. Triple A as well with Conan. You know, they, they seem like they're kind of like a smaller group. And Tony's like, it's, it's, it's very similar in a lot of ways to the territories. Uh, with AEW kind of being the NWA, if you will, for that championship. And he's helping people. And he knows that. And he wants to. Because he wants to provide the fans with dream matches, he said. He wants to uh, have stories for everyone kind of interacting everywhere and you know it benefits the other shows definitely more so than tony uh but at the same time it's getting it's giving him a chance to tell stories throughout multiple platforms of his own product and advance things 
Now, we're going to talk about Triple Mania and uh, New Japan Resurgence. Both of them are being aired tonight. Uh, I will definitely be checking them out. Um, but, like I said, they both have major stuff for AEW-related stars. So, um, we'll go with Resurgence. Triple Mania is the biggest event in Mexico, so I'll let that go. That one go last. But the main thing, you got you got a pretty damn good stack card. Um We'll get to the uh, the bottom portion. So the uh, the New Japan um, Strong Open champion, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler, and his group of uh, Team Filthy will be going against uh, an array of talent, including uh, Brody Lee and Chris Dickinson and Fred Yehi. So a lot of uh, Ring of Honor dudes, which is uh, pretty cool. Glad that they're still trying to do stuff as well. I want more interaction with Ring of Honor. I definitely do. Um but love seeing Tom Lawler on the card. Uh, Hikaleo, who's been making some rounds, going against Juice Robinson. Uh, this is where it gets really fucking cool. Tony, or t- uh, they got not only Tanahashi coming over here, which means he's going to be here for a minute because of everything going on in Japan, but they also have uh, Ishii. Ishii's going against Moose, Chris. I don't know what the fuck that match looks like, but I'm excited about it. It's definitely one of the more exciting matches on this card. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's good. That should be really fucking fun to watch. That's a that's a clash of styles <laughs> for sure. But it should be. Is a it good gonna match. look like I'm Layla Hirsch uh, and and uh, what's her name? Um, Camille standing up next to each other. <laughs> My assumption is that Ishii is gonna beat the shit out of Moose, and then Moose will have big, monstrous brawl comebacks, and that will be the majority of your match. But Either way, it's going to be fun to watch. And I think Moose showed us with Kenny Omega, for instance, he showed us that he's kind of taken a step away from the Moose we used to know and, and can have really, really great matches. So I'm looking forward to this because I, I can't ever remember. I don't know that he's ever had an opponent like Ishii that I can think of offhand. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting for both guys. Um, but then the other matches uh, with AEW, or I guess impact somewhat, but uh, John Moxley, and I'm pretty sure it was confirmed that it's not going to be Eddie Kingston, but a person to be determined uh, that Moxley picked out will be going against the good brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows in a tag team. I don't think this is for the impact tag championships. At least it's not listed on here, but maybe that is the case. Um, But I'm just curious if it isn't Eddie Kingston, who's helping Moxley at the New Japan show? Ooh, that's a good question. Something I haven't thought of. Um, I don't know know either. Maybe it is Eddie Kingston. I don't don't see any problem with that. So if it's not Kingston, and I I would love that too, but if it's not Kingston, this would be fucking crazy. What if Minoru Suzuki comes to the ring? I think that would be incredible. Uh, we've been talking about that even from a, the AEW standpoint of who's going to help Moxley get back at Kenny Omega. Um, Minoru Suzuki makes a lot a lot of sense after the match him and Moxley had and kind of them developing a mutual respect for one another. Maybe it's Red Shoes' kid. Maybe that's what it's going to be. Oh, that would be great. I'd love that. And he's been training his ass off. So if that's the case, that will be a fun little nod uh, for sure. Or maybe fucking um, Shibata shows up and just starts beating 
wholesome uh, ass. So, maybe uh, Okada since, shows up. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool stuff there. If I had to take a guess, it'll be Kingston or Eddie Edwards. Yep, definitely could so, happen. Because it wouldn't necessarily have to be helping Moxley. It could be helping Sammy Callahan to some extent, right? Just based on how this match is set up. So if you're going to bring that storyline back over to Impact, you know, Eddie Edwards probably makes a lot of sense. Or Sammy, for that instance, because they both keep on getting fucked over by the elite constantly. And Sammy has, I love either of those guys to, to show up with, with Mox. They both have the toughness. It's going to be fun, for sure. Um, Jay well, White and, the ma- oh, sorry. The, ma- the, match, the match itself is John Moxley and Callahan versus the Good Brothers, right? Well, no, it's, it's, we don't know who the, the partner is, but that would be awesome. Oh, that's the match card I have. That's what they have listed. So I'm assuming, oh, spoiler, oh. I guess. Maybe maybe you uh, you just revealed that. If that's the case, man, I'm excited. Sammy yeah, Callahan and John Moxley, they're going to fucking destroy the Good Brothers. Yeah, that's what I have on this match card. I'll shoot it to you real quick so you can okay. see it. But that's what they have listed. If I spo- spoiled anything there, apologies. I, I was just looking at the match card. You're going to be fine because our audience is going to listen to us after the fact with the event. So, you know, and if you spoil, you didn't spoil shit for me. I, now I'm excited. Um, all right, let me, let me, let me get this one just cause it might be updated. See, I'm going by Wikipedia. So not always the best source of information updated at least. Uh, right. Yeah, I guess you're right, man. That's, that's fucking awesome. Um, and this the last is, uh, two- I- this is going to be a long ass card because there's nine fucking matches on this, and I don't care about some of the four on fours. Like, I'm sorry, I, I, Alex Coughlin, I'm sure will have a great match with Carl Fredericks, but I don't really. I'm I'm there for the 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 Juice Robinson Hikaleo match, Ishii versus Moose, Jay White and David Finley for the Never Open Weight Championship. Uh, you know. Uh, Leo Rush's group against Tom Lawler's group. That tag match will be fun. And now the now that Sammy's added to that. That's going to be awesome with John Moxley and Sammy. And so the last two matches we should talk about, Chris. Like I said, Juice Robinson, or uh, not Juice Robinson, Jay White, tiles on the line. Him and Finley have had this rivalry. Finley beat him um, very unexpectedly in the G1 tournament. So wants his uh, championship. I think Jay's going to plow through him because we got to get jade against kenny at some point in some type of fashion and they've been going back and forth on impact so do you think that's true do you think jay white's retaining his never open weight championship i would think that's going to be the case because they're doing that big storyline with jay wyatt and um chris bay right where chris bay just became a member of the bullet club so i don't think that they would want to make jay white lose here um could be wrong, but yeah, I'm going to go with Jay White retaining. And the last one, probably I'm most excited about, just because it's so fucking weird. Now, I know that they've had matches before, but Lance Archer, the IWGP United States champion, will be going against Hiroshi Tanahashi, who I had the pleasure of watching tag with the Rock and Roll Express a couple years back, uh, which was fucking awesome. Um but uh, I have a theory, but we'll, we'll just go into this match. 
I think Lance Archer is going to retain, but I have a reasoning for it. Oh man, I I could see Tanahashi winning the belt here, it's, if, especially if they're if New Japan is wanting to finally get it off someone. Uh, so that might make a lot of sense. I don't know that it hurts Lance Archer at all as far as AEW goes. So, but I could see them having him retain it. I I don't know. I'm in the in between on this one, but I would I'm gonna go ahead and say Tanahashi wins here, just because I feel like they want to get that belt back to Japan or at least have it a part of the New Japan Strong more often than it has been. Well, regardless if Tanahashi takes the championship or if he doesn't, um, in New Japan fashion, because, well, a lot of the times they don't do, you know, interference and shit like that unless you're heels. And I wouldn't see think Moxley would do that. But I see Moxley coming out and confronting Tanahashi. Um, if Lance is still a champion, then you could have a separate match with Lance on um, All Out. But the rumor is Tanahashi against John Moxley at All Out. I feel like they're going to start that whole thing um, tonight. They're going to have some type of interaction and possibly get in a nice little uh, fight back and forth. Probably getting broken up and shit, but that's my prediction, Chris. That's a good prediction. I could see that happening as well. Uh, what I was talking about with the, the length of this card, because New Japan Strong happens in California... It's it's on the the West Coast, obviously. It the show itself is not starting here until eleven at night. God, the Triple Mania is probably not starting until like what ten because it's in Mexico. Yeah. So if you're planning on staying up and watching this, anyone out there listening or listening to it, I guess it won't matter, like you said. Um, but like for you and me, uh, we'll probably be watching until fucking four in the morning. <laughs> today <laughs> so most likely dane's gonna watch these events on sunday <laughs> yeah that's probably what's gonna happen i might i might try to stay up and watch some of the opening of this card but uh yeah that i mean that sucks i understand why they do that this is why wwe starts the shows and um when they do something on the west show west coast the show starts at like five their time uh just so it's not so crazy for everyone else that is on the east coast because it's like i said 11 o'clock start time there's nine matches on this fucking Whew. card uh by the time you get to the main event which i think is tom lawler's group uh it's gonna be like two or three in the morning i would i would think just because all of these matches are probably gonna go 15 minutes or more yep i i would tend to agree with you all right, well, like we said, going on at the same time, uh, Triple Mania, Triple A's top uh, wrestling event of the year. They got a pretty damn good card, and like beforehand, you got people from different organizations all over this, which is awesome. I'm kind of surprised they didn't put any type of build or interaction at all with uh, Andrade El Idolo. Um, since he's going against Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega Championship. But regardless, you know, there's some really cool matches. I'm going to go over the ones that I'm most excited about. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing Drago in a match. Psycho Clown, he's going against uh, Ray uh, Escorpion, which I've seen him before over at MLW. Great. But let's get down to this. Lucha Brothers are putting on their AAA Tag Team Championships on the line. Uh, they're going against uh, Hilo Del Vicano and Laredo Kid. 
big fan of Laredo Kid. And then Tauros, Black Tauros, and to be announced, I'm going to assume it's going to be Crazy Steve because they've been teaming up on Impact uh, as of lately, and he's now part of Decay. So that would make sense. And if that's the case, I mean, besides uh, uh, Hilo del Vacano or Fakingo, I know everyone in this match, and it's going to be a fucking awesome match. Um, do you think that would make sense, or are they going to go for some Lucha name? I, I think Crazy Steve is a good good guess on how that match might show turn out. But it's Triple Mania, which I don't get as much time to watch. I Probably the person I keep up with the most would be Laredo Kid and, and maybe Killer, Killer Clown. Uh, but, yeah, I'm probably not going to be the most help on this card other than outside of the, the main event stuff. With uh, Well, I guess I should just, just ask you, do you think the uh, Lucha Bros are going to retain in that six-man? I, I would assume so, because you would want them for your big shows to be the champions. And that's the weird thing about AAA in general is that they don't – their titles don't necessarily – I don't know. They don't have a main focus on their titles. It's kind of an afterthought a lot of times with the way that they do their shows, but that's just Lucha Wrestling versus what we're used to either in Japan or here in America. Yep, I agree. Um, I have a theory that if the Lucha Bros lose, it might be setting up something uh, with whoever wins between Kenny and Andrade. I just would love to see a program with either Kenny Andrade against either Phoenix or Pentagon for that championship. Um, but let's keep on going. Uh, the two matches, I think I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, the AAA um, uh, women's champion, uh, Fabi Apache, who's awesome. Every time I see her in a match, she's usually one of the people that steals the show. And she's going against Deanna Perrazzo, the Impact Knockouts champion. Uh, no titles on the line. It's just champion versus champion. Uh, I know this is triple A, but I feel like Deanna, since she's built herself so much and she's going against Molina at that um, NWA empowered pay-per-view and she's been undefeated. I think she needs to win this match, but it is triple A and, you know, they're kind of like off to themselves a bit. So who do you think is going to win? Fabi Apache or Deanna Perrazzo? I think Deanna Perrazzo is going to win this match, and the reason I say that is I think Kenny Omega is probably dropping the title. So, Me too. It, that, that's my only reasoning for it, but this should be a good match. I think it'll probably be the second best match on the show, uh, and that's because I'm thinking Andrade and Kenny are going to tear down the house. And I agree with you, man. I think that Andrade is taking that title from Kenny. I think that is... Now, I don't know how... Since you haven't really brought up this feud at all, it's going to be weird when Andrade's walking around with a mega championship on television and Kenny doesn't have it anymore. But I don't really care. This seems like stuff's, stuff's uh, falling down on Kenny. Um, and we predicted this. Everyone said, no, he'll, he'll lose the AEW championship before he'll lose the other ones or whatever. No, I think this is a, you know, just like little slits at, at, at Kenny until the big one comes off. And I want, like I said, my perfect feud for the Mega Championship that I will go out of my way to pay attention to, especially if they do some of it on AEW, would be if Pentagon went after, because he's never had that title. He's one of AAA's biggest wrestlers. 
I believe he's had the Latin American title, which is almost on the same level, if you will. Um, but he's never had to make a make a championship, and him and Andrade would have awesome matches. And it looks like they're obviously setting up a rivalry with Andrade and whoever he picks to go against the Dark Triangle coming up soon. So that is my prediction on that. Yeah, I mean, me and you both predicted it would be death by a thousand cuts, right, for Kenny Omega as far as this being the triple champion um, or multi-champion across brands. Now, I that being said, when we get into resurgence and, and what happened there, I don't think that he's dropping the AEW title to Christian. No, I don't uh, either. I think I think Christian's going to be dealt with before that. Yeah. So, you know, even if he drops the title here, as far as him being the AEW champion, I don't, I still think that's probably going to go to the end of the year. And then yep. to me, it's either going to be someone they bring in, either a punk or a Brian, or it's going to be, you know, Hangman Page, which I think is what everyone really wants to see. And if anyone's wondering about the absence of Hangman Page, they gave him some time off because he had a baby. So I found that out. Just to let everyone know if you didn't know that. Um, so I do expect Which, him to be coming back sometime soon. And that actually makes sense of why they did the Kenny match early, or what I considered early, if they were going to give him some time off. Because now he can come back and, and make a claim that he should get a title reshot. So it's. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Um. One other thing about about Kenny Omega, and, and I think this is something everyone should keep in mind, is he is wrestling injured, even though it doesn't look like it because he's fucking insanely good regardless. Uh, but he has a torn labrum that he has to get surgery on at some point. So slowly seeing these belts go away means that Kenny will probably be taking some time off shortly as well. And if anyone's earned it from this year, he's definitely one of them for sure. All right. Let's go over shows. Oh, I actually, I meant to bring this up at the uh, top. Every show, unfortunately, but uh, we had the passing of another uh, wrestling legend, Italian-American professional wrestler, Dominic DiNucci. Tag team, um, tagged with Bruno San Martino for a very long time. Great baby face and heel in the industry. And uh, taught some guys named Shane Douglas and Mick Foley. So thank you. I don't know his work. I just know the results of some of his teaching and the fact that he was pretty big in the industry. So, and you know, I'm Italian, so I'm going to stick up for those dudes, you know, even though Argentina Rocca was apparently from Argentina, he was actually Italian. Just to let you guys know. Chief J Strongbow was actually Italian too. Weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, rest in peace to Dominic DiNucci. Did you want to make any statement? Chris? Unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with his work, so it, I think you summed it up best. He's obviously well-respected within the wrestling industry, and it always sucks when we have to come on the show and talk about anything like this. But like you said, if if his lasting legacy was he produced uh, Shane Douglas and Mick Foley, who were probably two of the most important pe people of the 90s yep. for their various companies, um, that's that's a hell of a legacy in itself, not to mention, like you said, teaming with Bruno San Martino for as long as he did. So unfortunately, I don't have a match 
to tell anyone to go watch for this one. But, Me either. But, uh, rest in peace and, and obviously warm regards and, and good vibes to his family and friends. Yep. And um, if you, I mean, if I'm sure that there's some stuff from the 60s and 70s on YouTube, so just search him. But uh, I, I'll be checking out some stuff from him. I've been watching a lot of Bobby Eaton lately, by the way, uh, because of his passing. He absolutely was, even as a solo wrestler, one of the most incredible wrestlers in the ring. But, um, you know, rest in peace, yeah, Bobby. Rest in peace, Dominic. I, I will say, if you, you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, or anyone out there listening to this, go check out the tribute show that Jim Cornette did on the uh, experience with him and Brian last. It was uh, it was very hard to get through, but some great Bobby Eaton stories as always. And uh, like you said, rest rest in peace, Bobby Eaton. Again, I've also been watching a ton of his shit, uh, but I recommend listening to that podcast if you haven't or anyone else out there listening hasn't. All right, so let's go over. I got some notes about certain um, shows. I really want to talk about Rampage. That's what the one I'm excited about because it was last night. But um, we'll go in order. A couple things happen on Raw. We don't know if RK Bro is going to be around anymore. Randy Orton came out. He's been gone for a while. Uh, you know, started trying to cut a promo. And then you have Matt Riddle. Hey, bro, what's up, man? You know, you haven't answered my calls. What's going on? Here? I got you a scooter in the mail. Like, you know, your very own one. You know, did you get it? Like, now we can start tag teaming. And Randy just put him in his place and was like, what makes you think that we're going to team again? Like, we made some money off of merch. We were a tag team. That's about it. And later on that night, um, you know, during a match with AJ Styles, which, by the way, uh, you can say what you want about Raw, but, man, some of the matches on it. Ricochet and Sheamus had an awesome match. Um, AJ, AJ Styles and uh, Randy Orton had an awesome match. They have great chemistry. I'd love to see a lot more with the two of them specifically. Um, but at the end of it, you know, almost was was acting like he was going to get involved. Matt Riddle came out in Randy's defense, even though Randy told him not to come to ringside. Um, and uh, Randy won against AJ with an awesome RKO off of the uh, the phenomenal forearm. And um, Matt Riddle came in to celebrate with them. He was kind of hesitant. Then they hugged. Audience fucking blew up, went crazy. Randy Orton, big smile, RKO. <laughs> Matt Riddle's down. He's smiling. He pats him. I don't know if that means like, all right, we're, we're together, but, you know, fuck off. Or if we're, if we're actually setting up Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. But I would hope that this is going to be explained as like Randy being like, like, why the fuck did you RKO me? Because I told you not to come out. Let's get over that. You know, let's let's move forward. Because I like this pairing. It's fun. You know, it is very Daniel Bryan and Kane or Kurt Angle and fucking Austin. I, I love, uh, you know, the Rock and Saw connection. A weird... It's one of the only things I like on Raw. And even though I know this is where it's going to go, I just think that they're if they are pulling the trigger, it's too soon. You can keep on having this go and then have some awesome matches. And we can see Matt Riddle turn it on like he did in NXT in much more of an aggressive way against Randy Orton. So, um, I don't know. That was that was pretty much it on Monday Night Raw. Well, there was a contract signing. Uh, oh, no, 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 that was SmackDown. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong notes, guys. Um, and Cross got his win back from Matt, from uh, Jeff Hardy. So that was, uh, I guess. And we're going to get a new Elias. He burnt his, uh, his guitar. So he's now The Undertaker. 
he had to burn his guitar. He had to burn his guitar because he's just been embarrassed by Boogs showing off so hard. <laughs> That's the storyline, exactly. right? Exactly. I did, I have to say though that I've never been the biggest fan of Elias, but one of the things that helped him get over was the audience. And now that you have the audience back, he's burning his guitar and uh, whatever. I don't really care. But uh, do you think Randy? Do you think RK Bros over, Chris? I think they're going to keep with it for a little bit longer just because they don't have any other tag teams on Raw. So I think this is more of a wink and a nod kind of thing. And then Randy, like you said, explaining it after the fact. But, you know, for everyone that lived through some of the other tag teams you just mentioned, uh, Kane chokeslammed the hell out of Daniel Bryan quite often, and they still tag together. <laughs> In fact, they sent them to yeah. canceling. That's a good uh, point. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the end of it. Or like Austin, you know, they win a match and he throws Mick a beer and then stuns him. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the breakup of the team. I, I, I would almost say they need to win the titles and then break up, but it's it's raw, so you never know. They are one of the hottest things on that show. Um, I don't know that I would go straight to a damn feud, but a feud between Randy Orton and, and Matt Riddle will, will be great once we get there. I just think, like you said, I think it's a little too soon, especially because Randy's been off TV for a while. Yep. So Tuesday night happened. We talked a little bit about, I don't know, the fact that it seemed like a lot of the life was sucked out of NXT. Um, and the fact that we didn't have Samoa Joe and Karrion uh, Cross with some type of interaction, just a really good package, probably done by Jeremy Borash, but that didn't help. Um, I don't care. They've had two great matches. Don't get me wrong. And we know that Adam Cole's either going to the main roster now or he's going somewhere else. But... I just don't really care about Cole and O'Reilly. It's just to me over. Uh, my highlights for NXT was I liked the introduction of Gigi Dolan. Um, I liked her match. You know, I was a fan of Priscilla Kelly beforehand, and I'm glad they're pulling the trigger on that. Uh, Odyssey Jones, one of my favorite guys in this breakout tournament, man. Uh, I love the tribute. I, I forgot to mention that. They did for uh, Mark Henry with the uh, the Nation of Domination Mark Henry singlet that he wore in his first match. I think he's winning this whole thing. And I think that it, for him to be able to move the way he does for his size, um, I, I'm pretty impressed by him. And everything with Grimes. Uh, Cameron Grimes, the LA Night stuff. It's over the fucking... I'm more excited. Well, I mean, it, it is Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross, but I just think I know where that's going. But I'm more excited about the million-dollar belt right now than anything else on NXT, which is ridiculous. But Teddy Biasi came out, gave Grimes a pep talk, said that you don't need to be doing this shit. You have money. Like, you know, don't listen to him. This totally makes me think, because here's a stipulation to the match. If Cameron wins, he gets the title. If he loses, Teddy Biasi now becomes, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, LA Knight's butler. So, and, and Cameron can't, you know, go for the title anymore. So what I think is actually going to happen is that Ted DiBiase is going to help LA Knight win because he's fucking Ted DiBiase and I don't need my million dollar man to be giving pep talks to the baby face. I think he's going to screw over Cameron Grimes. All that fucking bullshit about butlers was just crap and that he, this has been the thing all along. Um, but who knows? Maybe Cameron will win a takeover. I guess you have to have him win at some point, 
But if it's something like this where he gets screwed over by Ted DiBiase, I don't, I don't mind it as much. I'm just curious where they're going to go. But that's NXT, man. I used to love NXT. I used to talk nonstop about it. That's all the stuff that I cared about. Chris, do you have anything? anything yeah. Just the same things that you already talked about, which I the million million dollar champion stuff was has been a lot of fun. Probably the, easily the best thing there. Uh, it was fun to see Walter again. Um, the Pete Dunn, Ilya Dragunov. Oh, match. I for, I even had that written down. I forgot about that. That that match was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was my easily my favorite thing on the show. But like you said, a lot of the show just kind of seems like one of those. Nothing happening shows. We didn't really get any, like you said, any furthering of the storyline of Samoa Joe and and Karrion Cross and uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. For the people that care about that, that was there. Um, to me, the best thing on the show was Pete Dunne and, and Ilya Dragunov by far. This was not a great NXT episode, maybe outside of that match. So if you wanted to skip everything else, you could watch the Cameron Grimes stuff and then the Pete Dunne match and call it a day. I agree. And, you know, the ending with them having an awesome match, Pete winning because of the distraction because of Walter, and then the little stare-off between Pete Dunne and Walter, Pete leaves, and then Walter kicks the shit out of Ilya Dragunov. I don't necessarily want them to do this at all, but I could see them turning this into a three-way, especially since Pete just beat the guy that's supposed to be going against your champion. Yeah, I mean, or they just have Ilya come out and have a match against Walter, and Walter beats him, right? And then then, then you how long do you think they're over here? The two of them, long enough to have that title match, I guess, on NXT. At at, I'm assuming a takeover, right? Yep, that's gonna be one. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna steal a weekend, possibly. Dragonoff versus fucking Walter too. Yeah, I'm only my only thing about it. I, I kind of wish they would make it a three-way. I don't know that they will, but I it, we've seen that match a lot with Walter and uh, Dragunov, right? It would be interesting to see what Walter does in a three-way match. I, I don't think I've ever seen him in one, and he's got great chemistry with both guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer to that is Pete Dunne will be doing a whole hell of a lot, and then Walter will just be chopping the shit out of people, and everyone will love it. <laughs> Because I'm Walter, and I am the UK champion. I would beat everyone. It's not going to look great for that roster if they show up and have the best match, so I'm hoping that Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross have a fucking banger. you got to hope that... that and, and It's not that Karrion Cross is not that... Is, is, is bad, but Joe's on a different level than him, and he's going to have to bring him to a, an excellent match to me. Uh, which is possible, especially if they, I don't know, I, it's not a no DQ match, right? I was going to say if they let them bend the rules a bit, it, they could. I think that's where Karrion Cross would kind of shine in a match against Joe as you let the two brawl a little bit more, uh, maybe outside of the ring. But I, I don't know. We'll see. Samoa Joe's really fucking good. So if someone can bring Karrion Cross to a you know, four or five star match, it probably is Samoa Joe. All right, um, we're going to save AEW and talk about all that together. Um, so we'll, we'll move on to Impact. Biggest thing that happened, um, well, their, their viewership was up, 
was that 103,000? Uh, so that's good. You know, I, I try with Impact, and I like a lot of the stuff they're doing. And with all the interactions with New Japan, AEW, and, and, and NWA, it has been a lot of fun to watch. But, yeah, damn. I'm sure Ring of Honor gets a similar number. But you would think having Kenny and a lot of other people, I just don't think they do a good job. Um, like, what are they doing wrong right now, Chris? Are they well, not advertising enough? Well, I mean, they're on Access, which isn't in a lot of homes. So that doesn't necessarily help. And then, oh, and we're not combining Twitch numbers, which is free. That was going to be my other statement, as you yeah. would think, like with Kenny Omega being so so tied to his fans being so tied into video games, and, and probably the majority of these cats are just watching this on Twitch, I would assume. So if you combine the numbers, I'm a, I'm I'm going to take a bold statement and say it's probably more like four hundred thousand, three hundred, four hundred thousand, something like that, because I think that's what their buys for the pay-per-view were when the last pay-per-view they had was like 300,000 so it's probably somewhere more around there we'll see I would assume that they're going to get a big pop from Christian Cage coming back as the champion um, starting next week which I guess I fucking spoiler alert if you didn't watch Resurgence uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that that happened but the uh they had their battle royal, Chris. Uh, the winner of the battle royal was going to move on to go against whoever won between Christian and Kenny. I mean, it was down to pretty much all your big names that would make sense. Moose was in the ring. Uh, Ace Austin was one of the last people. Um, I'm trying to think of ever Eddie Edwards, Sammy Callahan, and it got down and Brian Myers, who was playing, uh, you know, decoy, if you will, eliminated Matt Cardona earlier from it. Um, and, uh, Moose got eliminated. I think everyone kind of worked together for that one. Uh, Austin, uh, Aries got eliminated or Austin Aries, um, Ace Austin, um, got eliminated. And then Brian Myers pulled a heel. Uh, and I'm glad he wasn't outside. He was at least in the ring and he got pretty, like he got nailed a bunch. So it made sense that he was kind of selling it, but obviously overselling it, waiting for his moment and dumped Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan out and is the number one contender. So our first feud for Christian, one of the major brothers, Brian Myers and Christian Cage. And for some reason, the way that they have done the most professional wrestler on Impact, I'm actually looking forward to that feud because I know the guys are good friends in real life. And there's kind of similarities with their attitude and stuff. And uh, they should have some great matches, but it's, it's fucking crazy. It's like... You think Moose, you think Eddie, Eddie Eddie Edwards, you think Sammy. Nope, Brian fucking Myers. Yeah, and I mean, it makes a lot of sense with Moose being tied into this Ishii storyline and not knowing where that's going, and then Sammy Callahan still being tied to uh, tied to the Good Brothers to some extent coming into tonight's pay-per-view, right? So I, I like this because I've kind of always been a fan of Brian Myers, even when he was in... WWE is is one of the edgeheads. There's a lot of similarities to his career and Christian's career, even though, you know, I would say Christian obviously was a bigger star in WWE, no question. But he also was always overshadowed being the tag team partner of Zack Ryder, which is very similar to Christian, who was kind of always overshadowed by Edge. So it's it's fun to see these two have a match together, knowing they're friends. I'm sure they'll have a really good match. Brian Myers is really good in the ring. And, uh, It was also fun to see someone do the Jericho gimmick 
a battle royal and actually win because this is what Jericho always does when he used to be in yep. Royal Rumbles. He would just kind of lay in the corner for he like I think he was one of the longest or I don't know if it's still the record, but he had been in he's like one of the people that had been in the ring the longest in Royal Rumbles. And if you go back and watch Royal Rumbles with Jericho, it's literally him just doing the Brian Myers gimmick. Um so I don't know. I'm Do you excited remember? about this. Yeah, me too. But do you remember, I think it was it was actually when he was tag teaming with Christian before they broke up over that whole Trish thing storyline. But um, he was in the Royal Rumble and he got nailed into the post and he got hit so hard. He had a hematoma on the side of his head. He already had the goat beard going, so he looked literally like a fucking goat for the rest of the match. And he just, I mean, this thing was enormous growth coming out of fucking him. Do you remember that? Oh man, vaguely. I'm trying to remember what Royal Rumble that was. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I do recall this. It's been a long ass time since I watched that Rumble. I can't even remember what year that was. I would have to go back and and dig through. That. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking uh, 2003. I'll, I'll try to find a picture and send it to you later to make you pop. Yeah, this is good shit though. Uh, I, I like, good like shit. I said, I like this because it was a surprise. Like, I, I don't think anyone went into watching this match going, I think Brian Myers has a chance to win this thing. So from that standpoint, I think it was a surprise. And I think that, you know, the Impact crowd seemed to like Brian Myers. I know he's a heel, but the overall sentiment for people online is that they've liked what they've been doing with Brian Myers. So it, it should be a fun match between him and Christian. I think that'll be interesting christian's been on kind of a little bit of a run here having some pretty good matches and, and brian myers you you could pick worse opponents than than brian myers for sure yep all right let's move on to uh smackdown and then we'll go over aw dynamite and rampage on like nice little bundle um i gotta start off i got the uh transcripts for what they said so from bleacher report John Cena and Roman Reigns, God, we needed this. And I am so happy to see Roman on a different level than a couple of years ago when John Cena was calling his ass out and he couldn't he couldn't hang. And now it's like, you know, John Cena's John Cena, don't get me wrong, but the tribal chief is now the tribal chief. And their back and forth was fucking brutal. So, you know, so we had Cena come out. Uh, they had like advertisement for the peacemaker, you know, by the way, see the suicide squad. I know the first one was abysmal. It's not David Ayer's fault. Fucking uh, stupid bunch of bullshit. Warner brothers are idiots, but they let James Gunn do what he fucking does. What he did for guardians of the galaxy, trauma movies and Slytherin super and everything else he's done. And it was excellent. And John Cena was one of the standout actors in it. Um, I'm talking about some of the more emotional scenes he was a part of, so I was really impressed. Before we go into SmackDown, have you seen The Suicide Squad yet? It's free 95 on HBO Max. <laughs> I have not seen it. I am not a huge fan of The Suicide Squad in general, like even from the comics. I know that's uh, controversial, but uh, no. I have heard some. I've heard some decent things about the film, so I might check it out. Um, it's just a, it's like a storyline I never really got super into, even from the comic world. There there was one iteration of it, and I think it was more of a graphic novel that had Juggernaut as one of the members, which I remember liking. But outside of that, I just I have a little bit of uh, hmm, what you, 
fatigue from comic movies at the moment, and Suicide Squad is not one that I would go out of my way to watch. But if you're if you're saying it's good, and I've had a few other people say that it was pretty good, I might I might have to check it out and see just to even it's, see the John Cena stuff. It's free ninety five, man. Idris Elba's in it. He's excellent. Margot Robbie is the best they've done for Harley Quinn. I mean, she murders someone with her with her legs, and she's a psychopath in it. But it's hilarious. The dry humor. I would definitely, I would definitely recommend it, and it's not just because I'm a DC fan. And I gotta correct you, Juggernaut's Marvel, unless you meant some other Juggernaut in DC. I'm not 100% sure, but sorry, that's. Well, I think it was during, I think it was during the the crossover stuff that they did. Um, so this was, okay. this would, this would have been years back. I'll find it and send it. It's actually by a female writer too. Um, I'll have to dig it up. But either way, Mr. Peter himself, who's gonna have his own series on HBO Max soon. Um, showed up and, uh, you know, he's, he's about to talk shit about SummerSlam and, and Roman Reigns and Reigns interrupted and Cena claimed that Reigns has been pushed by WWE through failure and failure. He said WWE asked him to come back and offer the champions some humble pie. Reigns says he never thought there would be something to, to freshen up Cena's act. Reigns mockingly hyped Cena's, uh, resume and also said, and I quote, man, I guess 10 years of missionary would also uh, get Nikki Bella to leave you, which was, a, oh, that's not cool. Um, but I mean, Cena returned fire mentioning and the protection of Reigns. Uh, he also made a comment about how his friends don't want anything to do with them, is that he actually like, you know, he said that Dean Ambrose fucking got out of WWE because of his ass and then said, I am going to beat you. I'm going to take that championship. I wonder what this sounds like, Chris. I'm going to go through that crowd and maybe beforehand I'll stop and just give you a little wave with that belt. And put more in perspective, if John Cena wins, which he's not, but if he wins, he beats Flair's record. So there's a lot on the line in this. And I thought both of them were excellent with the opening, uh, you know, monologues, promos, whatever. And I thought Roman stood up to him just as much. I'm, I'm assuming he went over that with John, but there's a part of me because of what John kind of put him through on the spot that maybe Roman just slid that in just as a uh, little, little, you know, fuck you. But uh, I don't know. What, what did you think? Well, I mean, John's, John's went back and forth like with stuff like this with The Rock before, so I'm assuming that it was kind of talked about. In fact, I was I believe that The Rock was the one that got more upset during that feud <laughs> with some things that John Cena said. Well, that's because Cena called him out for having his notes on his hands. Yeah, which <laughs> is pretty fucking funny. Um, but you know, any anything with anything with Roman is going to be more scripted. I think the the main difference between this Roman is he kind of has always naturally came off as a heel. So it makes more sense when he talks like this versus like you were saying, the first feud we, that he had with John Cena, which was more of a baby face versus baby face kind of thing, which is hard to do in general. Right. But uh, yeah, no, this stuff has been great the past two weeks with those two going at it. And like you said, uh, getting a more confident Roman and one that I don't know, he seemingly cares more about this character and, and his delivery is more believable. It's been good shit, man. Definitely the easily the best thing on SmackDown. Probably the best thing 
the best thing in this company in general right now is Roman Reigns, and, and yep. Cena feud has been really good. I think he, you can look at the ratings and see that Cena has made a huge difference. It's also been fun to watch the crowd be behind Cena, kind of yep. getting more of a feel for what you know John Cena was, let's say, circa 2006, as opposed to what we saw over the past you know 12 years, let's say 2010 to, to now. So... Uh, good shit. I'm, I'm assuming people are going to be even more behind him after they've watched Suicide Squad. So that should be a fun match. <laughs> Based on what everyone said that when they've talked about this, I, I think that you know that's just going to endear him a little even more after Fast and the Furious and Suicide Squad. It's funny how some of that stuff. I know it shouldn't transfer over to wrestling, but it, you know it's, it would be hard to believe that that portion of the fan base isn't also watching those movies, which I liked, but uh, I liked the Fast and the Furious movie. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen Suicide Squad, but um, do you think that plays into kind of some of the more warm reception to John Cena? Yeah, that and the absence makes the heart grow fonder, I guess. Absolutely. Both concepts. I mean, he's become a celebrity. Rock was able to play it because he wanted to be a heel and act like Hollywood was better than WWE. But after a while, I don't think Rock would be able to be booed uh, because of the fact that he was such a celebrity. You know, and I think John's kind of at that. Um, I think Batista had that for his last little run because he was Drax the Destroyer and Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, um, having a celebrity status and being in the public eye. And also, like you said, being away for a while, it definitely puts things in perspective. And. I mean, uh, he can get booed for a portion of that time period, but but John Cena, to me, is up there with Bruno San Martino and Hulk Hogan as one of the greatest babyfaces of all time. Just, he is. Definitely, and in one of the best company guys for WWE, I don't know that they'll ever find another John Cena, honestly. Like, someone that will be there day in, day out, wrestle all of the fucking house shows, carry your title, even when getting booed always be positive do like a bazillion make a wish foundations i mean when you talk about greatest wrestlers of all time there's no way you can't mention john cena to some extent even if you're not a huge fan of his in-ring work when you talk about john cena as a character as a whole package and how important he has been to that company it's it's impossible not to put him in the conversation as one of the greatest of all time uh, the weird thing about the rock when he came back and did that heel stuff to me the reason it worked is because this was prior to hulk hogan uh, the negative shit coming out about Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan returning to the ring for the first time and forever, especially in the WWF ring. So, I mean, that's, that to yeah. me was why it works. And I mean, that might be one of the biggest matches of all time, Hogan versus fucking the rock as far as WrestleMania. I think that's like the, the most pay-per-view buys they ever had. Well, apparently it was only three stars to Dave Metzler. So, well, I mean, the match itself wasn't, it was more of a spectacle than a great wrestling match. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You could say the same thing about Hogan and Andre, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, man, John's killing it. Um, stuff else that happened on SmackDown. We have a new Intercontinental Champion, and I'm very happy about that because with all the stuff with Rick Boogs and giving you know, Shinsuke, his old music, and just letting him have fun. I think, even though he's obviously had the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, there's something, it's kind of like Daniel Bryan, it's kind of like Miz. There's something about Nakamura with the Intercontinental title, whether it be in Japan or over here, that's just fitting. 
And uh, I'm glad they gave it to him because I was so sick of fucking Apollo having it. It just it bored me to tears. So I'm sure they're going to stick with a rematch for this at SummerSlam. Give Nakamura someone else. I loved your idea of him and Finn Balor having a long feud over this title. So I'm hoping maybe they go in that direction after Finn loses to Roman inevitably. Yeah, I think they understand that they needed to move away from Apollo Crews versus Big E. And now that the title is out of the picture, you don't have to tie Big E back to that storyline. So now you can move on to maybe Big E versus Roman after SummerSlam. Uh, which they've already started teasing with him having the money in the bank. Which, if it, you know, I don't know that they will do this, but if you wanted to have a weird finish for that title match, you, you know, you do have Big E with the uh, money in the bank briefcase, and you can always get it back to Roman. I think the, the only caveat to me with Cena winning it, and I do like that idea of what he was talking about, kind of doing the CM Punk thing, is um, – I don't know that they want him to break the Ric Flair record. It seems like they were saving that for Charlotte. Yeah, no, and that would make sense for her to to do it. Um, well, they also were are pissed off at Ric Flair and just released him, so maybe they'll be like, "Fuck it," and just give it to John, and then have Biggie cash in. <laughs> and then just what I would back. love, and I think that a lot of people want this, and if it doesn't happen, doesn't happen, is that Biggie cash in uh, after the results of uh, Oldberg and and uh lashley and takes that title um just because i don't see him beating fucking roman for that even even like i just don't think that Big E should take the title from roman roman i think needs that for a long long time i think it's fine to pull the trigger on it if the rock is coming in and you don't want the title involved with the rock versus That's roman point. because if, if the idea is you're going to have the rock beat roman in a big match at WrestleMania to prove that he's the actual chief, which I think you maybe you almost have to do. You don't want The Rock to become the champion. So that might be why you would maybe move that belt to Big E. But I also like the idea of, of him beating Bobby Lashley. I'm fine with that too. I just, that would be, if you were going to, if you're going to move the belt from Roman, it's, it's because you have that planned out. Because otherwise you're going to have to have The Rock win at Rumble and then have a title match against build up some way for him to have a title match and he's not going to be someone that's going to be on tv that much so taking the title off roman at least alleviate alleviates one of the one of those problems absolutely i could definitely see that um the only other stuff that smackdown that really well baron corbin continues to be completely pathetic uh, his idea, I think, of broke is just having, like, not changing his shirt, shaving, and thinking that he needs to live in a graceful style of, like, $100,000. <laughs> but I love Kevin Owens coming out, calling his ass out, talking shit, um, telling him he'll give him a 1000 bucks if he wins, beating his ass. And then he goes in the back and steals Biggie's briefcase. And it doesn't mean shit, but it's just an, another added element of ridiculousness. And it's, I mean, it's helping Corbin out because, I mean, this is the first time in a long time, even if he's reverse uh, Ted DiBiase basically at this point, um, that I've given a shit about him. So we'll see how Big E gets that back and beats the hell out of him. But uh, they even said that in commentary. So they they put that forth when Pat McAfee was like, does that mean that he's the money in the bank champion? And Michael Cole goes, no, he's an idiot. So... We'll just uh, we'll have to wait and see. 
Pat, Pat brought up a big good question because isn't this how Miz inevitably ended up being the champion is by stealing the briefcase and then them doing wrestling court last year? Well, didn't he uh, didn't he uh, he tell Otis that they had to put it on the line to match? I forgot, man. That was a stupid fucking scenario. Yeah, but then like Otis retained it and they did some kind of fucking wrestler's court with JBL. Uh, that, that sucks. So terrible. So Pat Pat asking this question is a legitimate concern, I think, maybe to some fans. <laughs> some if they fans. give Baron Corbin the fucking money in the bank, uh, I will. Oh my uh, god. I don't think they're gonna do that. I'm just po- I'm pointing out that his question was not that dumb, uh, Michael Cole. Uh, I will say I, I love this version of Baron Corbin, and the only problem I see with it is the idea is he's supposed to be like a pathetic heel. And he's getting it over with the crowd. <laughs> so well, a lot of people are talking about it, it's almost like what they did with Miro, where Miro got himself over with or Rusev Day or whatever. It's like one of those things where it's like, well, no, now the crowd actually cares about this guy, which I don't think they were going for. But um, it's funny, and it's one of the better things on on the product. All right, so last big thing, contract signing at the end uh, between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. And, of course, stuff happened. They needed witnesses, so Sasha called, I guess, the other two heels, which was Selena and Carmella. So they came out, and, you know, Bianca got her ass kicked, basically. Um, The rumor is... You know, they're they're putting it back on the people they know to put it back on. Charlotte's going to win the fucking Raw and stuff, and Sasha's going to win the SmackDown championship. So if you don't see that coming, that's what's probably going to happen. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's about it. Yeah, and I could see them potentially flip-flopping them at the draft uh, when they hold those belts. I could see them flipping them. So yep. Charlotte to SmackDown and Sasha to Raw just to freshen up both brands. But um, I don't know. I think you should continue to let Bianca have a little bit of a run. The, the, she seems like she's well regarded by the fans. I don't know why you would feel like you have to take the belts off, off of her right now. And she's like friends with like Megan Thee Stallion and shit. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the way she can keep her belt. She'd be like, uh, I think I can get Megan the Stallion to show up if you guys let me hold the title a little longer. Do you think that Megan could knock someone out if she were to butt check them in the head? She do does the Naomi spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. I actually know way too much lyrics to WAP, I'm gonna be honest with you. Anyways. And I watched uh, a nice little video on TikTok of a grandmother reciting those lyrics, which was really fucking weird. But uh, we're not going to talk about WAP anymore on the show. I don't know why the fuck I went that direction. Ah! Let's talk about BW, man. Because, you know, besides all the stuff that cross-promotional stuff, they've been on fire, man. I mean, they're just looking really good. Tony looks like an excellent businessman besides... That incompetent idiot referee, you know, they they seem to have been tightening stuff. Um, Rick Knox, that's his name. Uh, and really listening, and, and they're getting better and better, and good AEW Dynamite. And I loved Rampage last night, and it was only three matches, but it was great. Um, I mean, it's all positive. Safe AEW, right, Chris? 
I thought both shows were really good. I really, really enjoyed Rampage. And if that's going to be the format where you're just going to have two or three um, decently timed match, like 10 to 15 minutes, and then yeah. like a, just a couple of very short vignettes, that's everything that I loved about NXT. <laughs> Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's just a well-paced show, and if they're going to continue that, um, I'm super down for it. Now, I will say, I know this was the first episode. Uh, I might not have five fucking commentators. No, well, Tony said I'm busted open. Chris was just there as a guest. So it looks like it is going to be Mark Henry, um, Excalibur, and Taz. Okay, I I'm completely fine with that. I think that that's a good... That will be a good amount. But like this one had like Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, Taz, Jericho, and Mark Henry. And I was like, I hope this is not an every week thing. I think it worked okay for this show since it was the first show. But uh, they did step on each other quite a bit and kind of fell behind the action in the ring in certain spots just because there were so many people trying to get their shit in. But if, if yeah, that's going to be. Chris, Chris is becoming unbearable, man. He just screams shit now. Yeah, I mean, well, he's also trying to trying to get keep both guys over in the match, and he's supposed to be like a super babyface right now, so that his commentary doesn't necessarily work in the same way it it has in the past with his current character, um, which doesn't help. But it, I'm glad that they're splitting that up. I like the I like the idea of of just three announcers, with it being Taz, Mark Henry, and uh, Excalibur. And any time I've watched Dark, uh, Excalibur and Taz have really great chemistry together. Mark Henry, it's going to take some time. You, he kind of stumbled on both his interviews and commentating tonight or last night, but you know, he's Mark Henry. He'll figure it out. He figured out broadcasting pretty well. So um, I liked his. Uh, I liked. I liked the interview he did before the uh, main event. I, I thought that was actually pretty good. But yeah, I, I, like you said, I think it's just going to take some time. He's not, he's only been doing this for like a month. So let's, let's, let's see how it plays out. All right. So we are, both these shows were in Pittsburgh. Start off with the first match, uh, trios match, uh, Dante Martin and the Seidel brothers versus the elite. I mean, I, I agree with most people. Uh, this was. And it sucks because his brother's still injured, so hopefully they're attacking him when he comes back. But Dante Martin, 19 years old, impressed the fuck out, I think, everyone that watched that match. He was on fire. Now, he definitely needs a lot of work, but you can tell if they've already established the next, you know, phase of people. You know, the younger ones are Darby Allen, Sammy, MJF, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Hangman Adam Page. That group is there they're going for jungle boy the next one to me is the martin brothers especially deontay martin um i was a really big fan of uh oh man what the hell is that guy's name uh daniel garcia who's been hanging out with the uh used to be ever rise uh 2.0 but people like that and fuego del sol i am looking forward to seeing them in the pipeline chris and i think specifically for this match he was the he his tag team partner was Matt Seidel. They were going against the Young Bucks, Bucks, and fucking Kenny, and he stood out the most to me, at least. 
yeah, and it, I mean, it was a it was a very fun match to watch in general. Um, my nieces gave this the thumbs up of approval. This was their favorite match of the night, I think. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Flying Brian Jr. too. Yep, that that's another big name in the pipeline. I still think they can do a lot with that guy. And I love that in Rampage, like a lot of the guys that weren't doing anything, they were in the audience and they showed them. Like they were, and I loved also obviously that little Darby Allen sting and the actual rafters little thing that they did. That was pretty fucking cool. But um, yeah, man, definitely agree with you. But, I, that was a that's also a weird ass tag match that they're using Sting in. I don't know that I would go that route. That that tag match that was announced, I can't remember who they were going against, but I was they're like, going Why? against they're going against Everrise because it's the next match, you know, uh, with Darby Allen, Daniel Garcia. Everrise were getting involved the whole entire time. I guess they're now called 2.0, but they they were the the dorks over in NXT before they got let go, and they're kind of continuing that. Now, I did think it was funny when Sting finally got involved and got in one of their faces. He was like, oh, my God, it's Sting. Like, you know, he was, like, freaked <laughs> out. That was pretty funny. And I love that Sting did a fucking suplex on the goddamn apron. You know, that couldn't have been, you know, that... And now he's getting the ring with them. So they're going to get their asses kicked. I think they're only there to, like, sell for Sting and Darby next week is what I'm assuming. But yeah, I'm, uh, Daniel, Gar- Daniel Garcia, man, really good match with him and uh, Darby Allen. Another guy to look forward to. Yeah, I guess I guess my worry would be something goes wrong in this match, and the last Sting match I see is fucking him versus 2.0. <laughs> Everize. What, they called themselves, like, they, they were called, um, oh, man... And then this got brought up in an interview. It was pretty funny. It was like uh, Montreal's, oh, man, it was a bad word. I'll just say goofy young bucks, basically, because they look like, you know, if you produce the young bucks in Alabama or something like that, like they're weird fucking dumb brothers. What is a weird family on, on, on Always Sunny? The McGuire's or the O'Brien twins? I don't know. Do they look like they're that family, but they're trying to be the Young Bucks, which is fine. <laughs> I, I could see that comparison. That was a terrible thing to say about some people that I don't know, but, you know, whatever. I look like a a, a young Seth Rogen, so whatever. I'll insult myself a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we had a trios match. I look, I look like, uh, I look like a, a fucking chubby Daniel Bryan circa 2014. <laughs> There you go. That's not too bad. Um, next match. We would have the best friends in the Hardy family office. This was fine. I'm just, it's, I don't know what Matt Hardy can do, but I don't care about a stable. I don't know why actually um, private party is in this. I think that that's actually doing a detriment against them. Uh, but you had Wheeler, Yuta. Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor against Matt Hardy and Private Party. Fun stuff in the match. I just, Chris, uh, am I alone? Like, I don't want to say I don't care about Matt Hardy, but I just don't care about any of this faction. I think it's holding back, uh, you know, like I said, Private Party. It's, and his theme song sucks. I'll say it. Whatever that chainsaw fucking lead guitar fucking noise is in it makes me want to, like, punch myself in the face. <laughs> I, I agree with you, but you need kind of like lower card mid card geeks just to fill out shows 
to some extent. So I, I don't love it, but that tag division is so damn stacked anyways, I don't know that it necessarily matters that much. Like, how far back would it take? Like, think about all the tag teams that would be ahead of Private Party anyways. Um, That's true. It's it's just a weird it's a weird thing. I I it that faction hasn't really mattered since we got past the Adam Page stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have to agree with you. Next up, Chris Statlander, Nyla Rose. Um and Nyla came and attacked Chris Statlander during that other match uh while she was out there with her boys. So trying to get the advantage, being a big heel. Uh, there was a funny-ass interaction with <laughs> Orange Cassidy, who got in the face of Vicky Guerrero after she tried to interfere. And Vicky just screamed at him. And I'm pretty sure my cat started crying. Uh, that's how bad it was. But um, kind of a sloppy match. Really cool ending with Chris Statlander uh, going from the... Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if Nyla was like punching her in the corner. But she just picked her ass up and powerbombed her and then did the uh, 450 splash. I am looking forward to Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker. I think that's going to be a good match. And uh, she continues to impress me, but match was whatever. Yeah, are they going to do one more Nyla Statlander match? Possibly. Because I think that those two have had a couple of really good matches against each other, and that might be a good match for Statlander before the Britt Baker title match. I don't know when that title match is scheduled, though. Yeah. Uh, Britt Baker's promo coming out to the Pittsburgh crowd in black and gold and, and, and white. Um, just killing it, man. Confidence that she has now with her promos is ridiculous. Like I said, you know, her uh, being with, to me, one of the best. If, if, if you're dating MJF and you decide that you want to become a heel, he's probably going to be able to help you. So Adam Cole, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but she definitely got really good at being a heel real fucking quick. But she's in Pittsburgh. They all love her. Everyone loves her anyways. She can do the most heelish shit. She can cheat like she did last night. And still... She's beloved and talking about how Pittsburgh had a rough year, but at least she has this as a trophy to take home to them. They were going crazy. Um, you know, uh, just, just a really good stuff. Red velvet attacked her at the end of it. And that would lead more into amplifying their match. We'll get to that match in a second, but, uh, what'd you think about this promo, Chris? I mean, she is. She's basically the Rock at this point. There's no way that they can really hang on for her being a heel anymore. They're gonna have to make that transition. Yeah, I think it was a great promo. Obviously, I don't think it helped Red Velvet <laughs> if, no. if the idea is that she's supposed to be a babyface. But there's not much you're gonna be able to do about a home home crowd favorite, and uh, she definitely got that message over on both shows. I, I will say. Is it stupid that I do the DMD thing with my fingers when I'm watching and she does it? No, I, I, I kind of do the same thing. It's fun. Okay, sure. It's fun to do. <laughs> All right, we had the Impact uh, Wrestling Tag Team titles on the line. Scott Demore joined the uh, podcast, or the podcast, commentating group. 
which was great to hear him there and also talk about it, uh, you know, on Busted Open the next day and just being like, like, I can I can die happy. I was a part of a commentating team. Excalibur's great, but he's like with fucking Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. So he was there kind of promoting the match they announced that I forgot to say about, but we're going to go into the actual match itself. How Christian gets a title shot for the Impact uh, World Championship at Rampage uh, to premiere it. And, um, you know, Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus were given a match against the Young Bucks for their tag titles. But Scott was there just putting over that thing and also commentating for this match. And, uh, yeah, just pretty good match. I mean, they're both really good tag teams. I knew where where it was going. I I did not think that the Dark Order had a chance in hell to get those titles. But uh, Good Brothers won. I mean... Did you see it going somewhere differently, Chris? No, not really. I mean, they needed a big match for Rampage, so it made sense having Christian end up winning here. But that's what we're talking about, right? No, we're ta- we're, we're we're still on Dynamite. We're talking oh. about the, the Good Brothers and Dark Order. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I don't remember much about this match, if I'm being honest. Good Brothers won. Yeah, like that's what I would assume would happen in that, especially with Page, Adam Page not being there. All right, we got two more things to talk about. Uh, Paul White made uh, his way to the ring because QT Marshall was supposed to finally apologize to Tony Schiavone. And uh, he had his little cronies with him, and it was actually a swerve. He wanted Tony to apologize to him. Tony made mention on commentary that his son was in the building and uh, they found him. They took him inside the ring, they beat him up a little bit. Tony said, sorry, you sonny, you son of a bitch. I'm still mad. And uh, he gave him the diamond cutter. Enter the big show. And I swear to God, Chris, whoever did the entrance song, was that the same fucking guy as the guy who did the big show theme? Because it sounded just like him. Anyways, big show comes in there. Gets the uh, bad guys. I lo- I would love to have Big Show a part of something. I don't want to see him go against QT Marshall and take up a fucking slot at All Out. And that's what makes me think is what they're going to do. Now, apparently QT Marshall was going back and forth on Twitter with Shaquille O'Neal. So if somehow they're trying to go down that route, that's a hell of a lot more interesting, even though it probably would be a worse match. But uh, I-, I just don't. Like this is this is definitely worse than Matt Hardy. I don't care about QT Marshall. I don't care about anyone. Actually, I think he's bringing Camarado down because I think that as a solo heel, he could do some damage. But I'm I'm pissed off. He's doing a diamond cutter. I I just don't I don't give a shit about want to be Tony Soprano. Yep. No, I feel the same exact way. I feel like me and you have buried QT Marshall enough on this show. So I'm just gonna say, yeah, I also don't give a shit about this. <laughs> I mean, if it, if, the end, if, the end, if the end result's just a singles match with him and the Big Show, there's worse shit that they could do, but there's also better stuff you could do with the Big Show, I think. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right, last match, Chris Jericho, Wardlow. I actually thought that, you know, because I thought that Chris looked a bit blown up with Hoobie last, uh, last week, but I thought him and Wardlow had a good match. I mean, at one part... Wardlow's just powerbombing him, powerbombing him. I forgot the the quote that JR said, but it was pretty funny. 
uh, and just annihilating him. And I mean, you know, they tried to get the ring in and then MJF was ejected because Aubrey caught it. Uh, while that was going on, Chris Jericho grabbed his baseball bat, nailed him in the face with it. He didn't go all the way down, hit him with the Judas effect. He went down one, two, three. We had an interesting promo earlier where MJF was hyping up the match, but basically did not really think it, it seemed like he didn't really think that Wardlow was going to be able to do it. And he proved him right. Uh, you know, just when Wardlow was like, I'm going to destroy him. And he tossed him the apple. He's like, yeah, just like when you beat Cody in the uh, steel cage. So still setting stuff up. Uh, MJF was not happy about this and his stipulation for their match. No Judas effect and no fucking Judas at all either. No, no crowd being able to pump him up beforehand, which I think is kind of stupid, whatever. Uh, but he can't use his signature move. Here's the thing. He's got the lion's tamer. He's got the lion's salt. He's got the code breaker. That was another nice touch, giving Wardlow the code breaker right away and a one count uh, within their match. But yeah, it sets up their future match, which is going to be not on the pay-per-view on television, which I'm curious about. But also more uh, more stuff between Wardlow and MJF. Looks like that's going to be uh, coming to an end sometime soon in the future, Chris. Yeah, do you think that means that he's going to win this match and then they'll have some kind of blow-off at the pay-per-view with Jericho? I'm not sure. I know Fozzie's <laughs> going to start touring soon, though. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, I almost I almost would say Jericho needs to win this match and then you have like him get pilmanized or something if he's going to be leaving to go do the Fozzie stuff. Uh, otherwise, if he loses this, the stipulation is that he can never wrestle again, right? I, I don't know. Like, I don't remember it saying that, but I mean, he could have been like that. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, I thought that the, the whole idea of this Trials of Jericho was it was a... Um, if he lost any of these matches, it was like Ric Flair having to retire or whatever. I thought that's what they were doing with it, but maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering of, of what it was. Either way, it should be a fun match. It's been going on forever, so I don't blame either of us for not fucking remembering. Do you uh do you think that he's gonna come out can he come out to the walls of Jericho to break the walls down? Because I mean technically Fozzie wrote that fucking song. I wonder if they own the rights no, to that. That was that was actually uh what's his name? Um fuck. Oh man. That wasn't Chris because he talked about how he actually didn't even like the song when he first heard it because he's not the biggest rap fan. But um, I, I'm wondering, is the audience going to try to do a terrible rendition when they don't know half the damn lyrics by themselves? I don't know. Do they just all start chanting out, I'll become, I'll become, I'll become <laughs> over and over and over again? Just over and over again. I could see that. I could see that if happening. I'm just saying, if you went to the ticket booth while people are coming in and said, say the first line in Judas, I bet you more than half don't know what the fuck it is. I mean, it's Jericho. Maybe he'll fucking come out to kiss or something. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, could, I could see him doing that. I mean, because it's, like it's not like they're afraid to spend money on a, a one-off song. Yep. All right, so Rampage, man. Uh, really enjoyed it. We already talked about our enjoyment of the hour concept. 
Uh, we talked about the commentating team. So let's go into the three matches themselves. Right off the bat, you know, let's not bury the lead. Christian beat Kenny Omega for the TNA. Well, the Impact title. For some reason, they haven't put the titles together. So now he gets to hold the the uh, the two of them. Um, a lot of people don't know this or probably don't realize this. This isn't his like third reign with that title. He had the NWA title twice. So this is actually the first world championship from Impact that he's had. Uh, but, you know, best friends with Scott Demore has a lot of history with that team player. Um, but fucking great match, man. Uh, you know, and so weird because I just watched. It reminded me of, of a match I watched with Eaton and uh, Savage, actually. Like, I feel like Kenny's been pulling from Flair, from Savage, and just doing certain things. Like, the more American style, the more he, you know, gets his style uh, from over here. But, like, the way he's on him, and, and Christian's absolutely incredible, man. Like, he's really good at selling. He's really good pretty much where you put him. Sometimes, just like Daniel Bryan, I get scared when he gets pushed to the outside, but... I mean, they did everything, and one of the things established right at the beginning, which would be the detriment and the biggest part of the story, is that the one-winged angel, you can easily get out of that and turn it directly into the kill switch. So that was established. They had an awesome match. I mean, literally did everything that you could think of. And then at the end of it, we had a distraction with Don Callis. It took a little bit fucking forever because the Bucks had a dance on the way to the goddamn ring. Um, but Bucks slid in the chair. They set it up. They're going to do the one wing angel on the chair while the, the, uh, the rest distracted and he turned it around and gave him the kill switch on it. And by the way, Kenny Omega's injured. That looked brutal. Like that looked like it had to have fucking hurt. There's no way. Uh, but one, two, three and Christian is a champion. His old roommate and one of his uh, best friends, Scott Demore comes out, hands him the titles and got a great promo with the uh, the Lucha Bros uh, with a little bit of the bubbly in the back. What do you say? Like the pu- the the bubbly's cold, but man, that audience is hot. So love Christian. I thought this was great. Makes sense to me. He's like we said is not going to be getting that title shot at all out. I think something's going to happen, and it's either going to be one of the bigger names like we said, or it's going to be you know uh, Hangman Page. But whether they pilmanize him or something, you know, we have, Chris, until All Out now, we have three shows to play with to interact the two of them with more storyline. So, you know, between Dynamite, Impact, and Rampage, I see them fleshing something out where, where they hurt him or, or do something to him. It's plenty of time still, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. But isn't he getting a title shot at that Chicago show? He's getting a title shot at All Out, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Okay. Then All Out's Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I guess that is the plan. Shit. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe The maybe Chicago show you're thinking of is next week, where obviously on Rampage, CM Punk's coming out. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Because I, I thought they were just going to do back-to-back of the same match for a second but if that if it is all all out like i said i mean even if they have that match it doesn't mean that kenny has to lose like he could win and still retain the AEW title and cage can still have i just 
I love Christian. I just think that's a really boring match. All of a sudden, throw together for the championship belt, especially if Kenny just wins. That's supposed to be like your biggest wrestling event of the year. Well, I mean, I think the big match is going to be whatever they do with Punk, right? Because it'll be his first yeah. in-ring return. And to, it looks to, like that's going to be him and Darby Allen. They which is going to overshadow. Interview. Yeah, and that's for sure is going to overshadow most of the other shit on that show. I'm pretty sure. So maybe maybe it, it normally I would agree with you because it's the title match. It should be the biggest thing on the show. But when you're talking about CM Punk making his in-ring return. Uh, maybe that title match doesn't have to mean as much. Going to be interesting to see what the card finally lays out for All Out, though. That's for damn sure. Um, I I do want to say real quick before we move out of this, the 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 match itself was fucking great, and I love the finish because we knew there was going to be some fuckery involved. The only thing I'd say about that is uh, the Bucks did take forever to get down to the ring. Yeah, why so the that... fuck were they dancing? Like, get the fuck to the ring, dude. Yeah, so it made Don Callis and the ref kind of look like idiots because they were on the apron for forever. Uh, That, and they just gave the, they put the chair in and then just immediately left. (laughs) So if there's going to be follow-up of, I I hope that there's some follow-up where Kenny Omega just kind of runs them down. He's like, what the fuck happened to you guys? Like, why did, because if they didn't leave, they could have still ran in. Um so that he doesn't drop the title. I mean, because it's a DQ, you don't lose the title or, you know, there's gotta be some kind of realization that the bucks did kind of fuck Kenny to some extent by just putting the fucking chair in the ring and leaving. Um, but I thought it was a neat finish. And, and like you said, they teased the, the fact that Christian could get out of the one winged angel and immediately hit his finisher, which I thought was cool. And I also liked seeing Christian do some stuff. I haven't seen him do in years, like the uh, sunset flip off the top rope. He's got one of the best sunset flips, period. So crisp. He did twice in two different angles from the fucking top rope. Yeah, and he looks great in this match. And obviously working with Kenny, that that goes a long way. But Christian's looked really good since he's came back. And I'm glad to see him getting another run in impact with a title belt. I know it's not the, uh, like you said, it's not the NWA title. But in the lineage of that, you have one of their Hall of Famers returning to the product with the title. So for impact, that's great news for Scott Moore and, and that show in general. I think that there will be some nostalgic TNA fans tune in to see Christian with a, with a title run. And especially since they've added Frankie Kazarian, they've added, well, the good brothers are obviously from there, but you know, at least Frankie and Christian, they seem to represent in a lot of people's heads impact because you associate TNA those early days with the two of them. So stars that are transitioning over there, especially if they're a part of that, at least it doesn't seem like an AEW guy is going over to take the spot of a TNA guy, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's another reason I didn't have a problem with Christian getting the belts at all. And in fact, I think that maybe the older impact slash TNA fans would appreciate this a little bit more than, than Kenny having the belt there. I guess we'll see because you want to, regain some of that audience they lost i mean at one point tna had a million people watching that show each week yeah so and how much were we talking about maybe four hundred thousand collectively possibly? i think yeah and that and that's us being maybe a little high on what that twitch number looks like but yeah 
But yeah, Christian's back. And I mean, doesn't matter how long he's back. Eventually that title is probably going to be taken by either Sammy Callahan or Moose. But either way, we'll have some good matches in the meantime. Christian is cutting the most white meat baby face promos of all time, too, by the way. These like are straight out of the fucking 80s. In the that was back. so that was so 80s when he was like, you know, the bubbly is cold, but it's hot out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I the, the one thing I really enjoyed about this, and I don't know if it plays into anything, but lurking in the background is just Orange Cassidy. With his yeah, he's just watching on. like, hey. But yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, Lucha Luchasaurus was uh, chugging down the champagne pretty hard. <laughs> Is Jungle Boy legal? I'm just kidding. Um, next thing, and this was great. The, the opening kind of getting you into it. I've seen Fuego del Sol. He's fine, but he is on a losing streak. But I love this idea. You know, his best friend, Sammy Guevara. It, Miro made it. So, hey, if you are actually able to beat me, Tony's willing to give you a contract. That's how Miro confidence, like how much confidence he has in himself. That, oh, he's going to fucking beat him. Um, and they did a really good job at first making me think, what the hell is going on? Because he just, as as soon as he gets in the ring, he nails him with a rotating DDT. Then he does another one. Then he does one to the outside. And Miro's just, like, selling like a motherfucker. Um, and now, all of a sudden, it's, like, brought up. Oh, what you know, he doesn't get the title. But if they get the 10 count, he's going to get a contract, at least, for the company. So, I mean, that's kind of a win for him. So, he's, you know, right at the last second, Miro gets in the ring. And then he gets him with another DDT and then jumps off the top ropes and fisherman carry Samoan drop. And then Miro starts just ripping him to shreds. Uh, now the beast, you know, the rage is taken over. So any, any pain or any days feeling in his head, it's done. He's going to fucking annihilate him. And that's exactly what he did. Machka kick and then got him in the, uh, I love that he does. Now he takes it. He takes the, um, what the hell's it called? Camel clutch. But, like, arches him all the way back. Like, it looks way more devastating that way. So, Fuego del Sol loses. Miro, you know, he's 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 the winner. They go to commercial. They come back. Fuego del Sol's just getting up. He's kind of realizing what happened. Uh, Miro had ripped up the contract. It was on the ground. And out comes Sammy Guevara with Tony and a new contract uh, with a new clipboard. And Sammy's talking and, you know, you know, you're one of my best friends. He's like, you haven't had the best win streak, but people love you. Everyone's, you know, cheering for Fuego del Sol. I didn't even know that the AEW audience gave a shit about him because he's mostly been on Dark and um, Elevation. But at least in that moment, everyone was behind him when he came in. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if this was just him doing a good job acting or if, you know, he knew he didn't think going into it, they were, you know, like, Oh, Miro's going to beat you. We'll keep you on dark and maybe you can get a contract, but you're not getting a contract because he looked genuinely like surprised, gave him the contract. They have a hug and, I, and a little tear came out of my eye. And even though some of these guys that, you know, between a De Deontay Martin or, or him, like when people are like, 
I want them on television. I, you know, like, you know, don't let Adam Cole come over here. I completely disagree with that concept. And I do think that a lot of that them are, are stars of the YouTube shows. But to see them get breaks like this and slowly transition, I, I like this. It was a it was a nice situation. It was a it was a fun match because I can't believe that I almost thought Miro was gonna lose to this guy. But um we'll see where it goes. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I like this match a lot, especially for what I would consider a squash, because all of the offense was one minute and 30 seconds into the match. And then Mira, like you said, just came back and with the shit out of him uh, snapped kind of reminded me what happened with like Chucky e. Taylor and and, and uh, the best friends when Mira was in that feud. Um, the one part is part that made me a little worried is when he went to do that bend with Fuego del Sol being a lucha I feel like that he should be able to roll that into a bridge. Like if he just rolls straight backwards, there's not Dick all that the Russian Miro could do in that situation. Cause his arms are locked into Fuego's arms. So you could, in theory, you could reverse that, which maybe they'll do that down the line. Mm, that's a good point. Um, because I'm assuming that Miro is, is going to be pissed that this guy got a contract after he destroyed him because that seems like something that God's favorite champion would do. Um, but I'm loving this version of Miro, <laughs> like breaking up the 10 count, even though it doesn't matter to him other than he would be losing his undefeated streak. And then just fucking demolishing this guy was great. I, I love this match and the aftermath of it, where you still get the happy moment where uh, Fuego gets, gets the contract and, Sammy comes out and talks to him. That was also a fun moment. And commentary acknowledging that you don't really ever see Tony Khan, I thought, was uh, a nice little touch from the commentating team. So, uh, so far, this show has been awesome. Which turns out, if you do a one-hour show and everything on it's important, the show's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. And now it's like, with SmackDown being as good as it is for a two-hour show and then this afterwards... I'm not going to say every week I'll be able to watch it live, but it's probably kind of proves maybe it's not fair because two different companies, Chris, that you can have a three hour wrestling show that doesn't fucking suck. It's three hours of wrestling. All of it. Good. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, I still think raw should be two hours, but me too. That's not, that's never going to fucking happen. Um, in fact, I would be fine with all of these shows being one hour. I know that would piss a lot of people off because you won't get to see a lot of the stars. But wrestling in general, if you're able to make it, make everything seem more important, the shows are just a lot more fun to watch. And I think uh, this, I'm going to laugh really hard when this ends up being my favorite show each week. Because <laughs> if, if every week is like this, which I know this is the first show, so I guess we'll see. If every week something important is happening, it's going to make the show look so much better than 90% of everything else that's out there. Yep, definitely have to agree with you on that. And I just spilled my beer. Damn it. Oh, well. All right, well, last match, we first had a little half-and-half uh, half promo off, if you will, between Red Velvet and the champion, um, Britt Baker, DMD, in Britsburg. And, you know, Red Velvet kind of owned up for attacking her behind her back. She's like, I know that I know I'm in her kingdom, essentially, and... You know, you forget that she put me on the, you know, she attacked me beforehand and shit like that. Like, so this is heated. I thought Red Velvet did good. 
of course, you got throuse by uh, Britt Baker. The match itself, my, my 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 biggest issue, and I mean it's not it's not that big of a deal, I guess, but some of the heel stuff needs to tone down a bit. And instead, they went to ten, and you know Reba fucking interfering all the time, Fred doing a lot of shit. It was a kind of a conundrum since she hurt her wrist. She couldn't use that during the lockjaw. So I love the ending where she switches it and does it with the other hand. And then you have Chris Statlander, who's probably going to be going against her at All Out, uh, come in the ring because she won't break up the hold and she's trying to hurt her. She's trying to give her another curb stomp on the on the uh, championship, even though Pittsburgh's loving it. I mean, just being as heelish as she could. And then her new heavy, which I don't think. Is her name Jamie Hayter? British wrestler that I'm supposed to know, I guess? Yeah, it's 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 Jamie Hayter, who was in the early days of AEW Dynamite. She was one of the stardom performers that came over. Her and Bea Priestley used to be tag team. I want to say tag okay. team champions in stardom. Um but she completely changed her look. So if you remember, she used to be kind of like gothic and had black hair and wore fishnets. She's one of like the first people that came into to AEW and then kind of just disappeared. So the announced team almost, they did that dumbass thing where they don't know who the person is, which I hate. <laughs> I don't know why this has started in wrestling as of late, but you know, if you're supposed to know about wrestling, especially if the person was there before it was Jamie Hayter, but I'm not going to lie. She looks so drastically different. One, she's cut a lot of weight and looks in really good shape, but also she completely changed her, her hair, the way she dresses. I mean, she looks like a completely different fucking person. So I did not know that it was Jamie Hayter at first. I, I'm used to her and, and Bea Priestley and, and what they looked like when they were a tag team. So uh, even as a diehard Wrestling fan, I had no fucking idea this was Jamie Hayter. Holy shit, I'm looking at these pictures. I remember her. But wow, she does look like a different person altogether. And she's like stacked. Like she's she looks she looks like a good heavy, basically, like a good buff like bodyguard, if you will. But my only issue with this. This reminds me in a lot of ways of situation. I don't know if I would do this at the end of the show. Remember when they did it with the butcher and the blade and you're like, who, like, who the fuck are these guys? So to me, it was a little lackluster, but looking at her and looking at, I remember her, but I guess maybe part of it was I haven't seen her in so long that, yeah, I didn't, she looks like a completely different person, but it's whatever. I just don't even know if Britt Baker, Britt Baker needs a diesel. I think that they should be trying to transition her to a baby face. That's my yeah, uh, biggest thing. My The thing I hated the most about this match was all of the Reba spots where she was constantly interfering in the match were picture in picture. And then all of the moments we saw on TV was Red Velvet doing heel shit because the baby face is attacking a broken bone or the yeah the baby face in the match is attacking the broken bone and I know they're in front of her hometown crowd stuff but like it almost came off as red velvet was the heel a lot, a lot of the time during this match so it it's oh, really she was. Hard, it's really hard for you to feel bad 
um, you know, when when Rebel jumps on the apron and starts yelling about the fact that she's attacking a broken bone. You know, like that doesn't necessarily seem heelish. And the parts they were like, well, Red Velvet, or Red, she's been interfering in the match the entire time. And it's like, yeah, but it was in picture in picture. So I don't know that necessarily everyone saw that. And like you said, I don't know that Britt Baker needs another heavy the Jamie Hayter. Um, but whatever, that's that's where they're going with it. And it'll be fine. I, it just means that Chris Statlander has to overcome the odds, which maybe that's the story they want to tell. Chris Statlander is another one, man. She, when she came back, she, she looks incredible. She looks like a powerhouse. Um, I am looking forward to a match between the two of them. I think that they are, especially Britt, two of their top females going forward. So, if this is what is setting up to our all-out match for the women's tag t- or the women's uh, world championship, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, it should be a really good match, and Chris Statlander, I think, is a good baby face, especially with the tie-in with the best friends, and maybe that will uh, help her overcome some of the odds, though I know that they're not going to straight have you know Orange Cassidy wrestling females or anything, but just their distraction ability might help Statlander a bit. It, even the odds out, I think that might be going where they're going with their storyline. I just don't know that people care more about Statlander than they do Britt Baker, and, and I would almost let Baker hold that thing through next year if it was yep. me but whatever i guess we'll see what where they're going i mean they haven't done anything really storyline wise to piss me off uh with this yet that's just if i had to the match itself i thought was pretty good it's just it was weird because you had both both people being very heelish at different times in the match and some of the the heel shit brit was doing was kind of buried picture in picture I'll have to, uh, I would have to agree with you on that. Um, I don't know. It'll be uh, interesting going forward. Where the hell has uh, Hikaru Shida been? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm a, Because I don't watch Elevation and, and uh, Dark, I'm assuming she's buried somewhere on that show right now. I don't there know. are like 16 matches a week, so that definitely could be it. But speaking about being it, that is it for the show. And I mean, really, we gave you a lot of stuff. I rapped at the beginning. <laughs> Ugh, sorry about that, guys, actually. Um, and we went, we, went, <laughs> we went to Japan. We went to Mexico. We went AEW. We talked about WWE, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, all of them. Uh, and we got to talk about the new show, Rampage. So this has been a stack show, and I definitely enjoyed doing it. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Couldn't do the show without my amazing, fierce co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, if you got any um, anything, any plugs, go ahead and leave them, sir. Uh, yeah, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can hit me at Chris R. Patton. I will be Patton. watching the events tonight, so if you want to talk about those, feel free to message me. Those pay-per-views should be good. I'll probably be focusing mainly on the New Japan one, if I'm being completely honest, but... Uh, I will try to keep up with both if you want to talk about those. Also, uh, if you like hockey, check out Skates to Throats. It's on all of your downloadable platforms, Spotify, Redbubble, um, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever whatever you like to download podcast, it should be up there for you. And we should have a new episode of that out this weekend as well. And uh, as always, Dane, really fun show, man. Yep. Thank you. 
Chris, for always doing the show with me. Good, sir. It's it's a lot of fun. And um, rest in peace to Dominic Danucci. Uh, Chris kind of said the same plugs, I would say, for this show. I mean, you can search on Google. You'll find uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll find every audio platform or on those specific audio platforms, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of them. Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and you can listen to us every week. We record the shows on Saturdays. We usually have them dropped by Sunday or Monday. So we just go over all the wrestling news and uh, give our opinions. And if you like them, great. And if you don't, sorry. But in all actuality, you guys have a good one. Peace out. And let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. Bye, guys.